0: The following announcements have been paid for by the sponsors of the Hameen Media Group. Hameen Media Group brand management is taking over. Social media, video, audio, design, marketing, and more. HMG Brand Management is proud to be partnered with Vince Russo's The Brand, Stevie Ray TV, Rip Rogers' FR Podcast, Goldilocks, Big Vito Brand, The A-Show starring Aaron Stevens and April Hunter, The Two-Man Power Trip, And now, Angelina Love in Velvet Sky, The Beautiful People. Search for all of our HMG brand management partners on your favorite podcatchers, YouTube, and of course, Patreon. Support your favorite HMG ring veterans by visiting ProWrestlingTees.com. Dr. Man Beast Ted McNaylor, God Papadon, SCG Search from Big Sal, Chris Silvio, Stevie Richards, and of course, the Ayatollah himself, Ben Hameen. Hey, bro. Wake up with the official Vince Russo coffee from Broaster's Coffee. Medium roasted, Nicaraguan blend with chocolatey notes and a smooth finish that'll have you ready to go, bro. Available only at thebroasters.com. For a flavorful hashtag RBV fitness foodie experience, visit Zorro's olive Zordos ultra premium, Extra virgin olive oil is exclusively sourced from the Zordos family private 100-year-old olive groves in Greece. Taste the difference and visit zordosoliveoil.com today. StevieRichardsFitness.com For the most affordable and effective home workout program that will give you results, real results. 12- and 16-week resistant band programs are available for instant download now at StevieRichardsFitness.com Russo'sBrand.com where the pros are pros, bro. Get the most valid takes in wrestling from the pros who live it. Visit Russo'sbrand.com. Subscribe to Hacker Hameen and Hameen Media Group on Podbeam.com. And visit patreon.com backslash Hameen Media Group. We now take you to your featured HMG presentation. <laughs> The force is with you, young Skywalker.
1: But
2: you are not a Jedi
1: yet. My powers have doubled since the last time we met, Count. Hey! Yeah. Suffering death, I fear. Something terrible has happened, young Skywalker. The dark side of the Force is a pathway to many abilities some consider to be unnatural. I will be the most powerful Jedi ever. It's all Obi-Wan's fault. He's jealous. He's holding me back. You don't know the power of the dark side.
0: I must obey my master.
1: These aren't the droids you're looking for.
3: The we're looking for. Master Skywalker, there are too many of them. What are we going to do? Help
4: me, Obi Wan Kenobi. Do I only help?
1: Hello there. Fear is the path to the dark side. Fear leads to anger. Anger leads to hate. Hate leads to suffering. hi. I- I-
5: Welcome, ladies, gentlemen, boys, girls, Jedi, Sith, Mandalorians, Twi'leks and yes, even you Transdotions, because this is an inclusive podcast, to another edition of the new force order
1: for
5: podcast life. we're a star wars podcast and if you have not realized that by now this is what episode 114 doc 114. 114 if you have not realized that after 114 episodes sunshine i'm sorry there's no hope for you and doc what do they say about those people who do not have hope they can't build rebellions that's right
3: rebellions are built on hope rebellions are built on hope
5: no rebellions for you. I am one third of your hosts. I am a pro wrestler. I am a Star Wars aficionado. Multi-time champion in a galaxy far, far away. Current heavyweight champion in three different promotions at the same time. I am the Greek god, Papa Don, a.k.a. Your boy, GGP. Ah, to the Greek, Greek, god. 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 Now, alongside with me, all the way from the witness protection program on exegol is the dark sith lord of the podcast hit him with a hey yo and then introduce yourself big guy
2: hey yo ladies and gentlemen i am the dark lord of the podcast the sithari the rampaging Revan kiss the butcher your boy dark spirit and
5: then we have the doctor the doctor of love but most importantly the doctor of Thundernomics. He's the medical droid with the kung fu grip who loves to steal your girl, but most importantly, he gets off on stealing your thunder. Introduce yourself, sir. I am smarter than
6: 2-1-B, more technical than FX7, the god of stealing thunder. And tonight, Papa Don, I have a poem. You have a poem? Roses are red, violets are blue. Master Skywalker, there's too many of them. What are
5: we gonna do? Dr. Destroyo, Alex Arroyo Very nice Very nice Bringing out the special effects I'm loving it I'm loving it Uh, That's tremendous Well ladies and gentlemen Tonight we have a very special show for you All six of our fans are going to enjoy this show very immensely We have two lovely guests Hopefully at the end of this program They'll be friends of the show And uh, we're all going to have a good time They are part of a Phenomenal phenomenal fan film series on YouTube. Also, a fan film movie from a couple years ago called Bucketheads. Uh, It's Andy Brown and Marco let me pronounce this correctly because I don't want uh, to have any uh, issues with you. Uh, Marco Basau. Nailed it. There we go. I nailed it. Like a priest nails a little boy. Introduce yourself guys. Introduce yourselves and let the people know who you are.
7: Hey guys, uh, Andy Brown here, uh, one half of Transmute Picture, co creator of Buckethead Star Wars Story, Buckethead Season 1, and uh, Tales from the 501st, all really cool uh, Star Wars series that we're uh, trying to make uh, super cool and great for uh, all the fandom.
8: And I'm Marco Passau, and the other half of Transmute Pictures, and everything that just Andy said, I just want to say I loved you guys' intro. I don't think I can uh, top that, so <laughs> thank you.
5: <laughs> well i appreciate your kind words uh when we do have guests on the show we don't actually inform them of our intro but we don't expect them to try to top us and if they do top us kudos to them you know they
6: earned it but uh it, it's usually their second go-round when they realize that they need an intro so
5: exactly but listen yeah, we're next ha- we're ha- time i'll be prepared there you go well we're happy to have you on the show um like i said it's a i i saw bucket heads um Phenomenal, phenomenal job, guys! Very well done. Probably one of the greatest fan films uh, I've seen in a long. Well, I don't want to say fan films. It's it's a film and a TV show. You know, I don't want to just segregate it as a fan film like everything else. It is well done. Like one of the best things I've ever seen. And I'm not just saying that because you guys are on the show. That's why I reached out to you guys because of the quality of uh, of the uh, the movie and the show itself. So kudos to you for for producing something out of true passion and high quality. So thank you for uh, enlightening and I- incorporating more great content into a galaxy far, far away.
7: Dude, thank you for the for the high praise. That's awesome. We uh, you know that's certainly everything we angled for with it. That um, we made the short film, the standalone short film, and. I think we released it uh, December twenty eighteen, and the response was just so awesome that we knew we had to keep going, but but also to grow our scope and grow our world. And you know, Marco and I, as cinematographers, had had grown a lot since then as well. And and we really just felt we could make this bigger and more badass.
5: Well, definitely it is. We ask all our guests the first time they come on the show the same question. So we're gonna ask you guys, no pressure. Um, if but.
6: you can make a pocket pussy out of one Star Wars character, who? No, that's the wrong question.
7: Because <laughs> <laughs> I had my answer there, but okay, let's move oh, on. Oh,
6: well, let's hear it. Who is he?
7: <laughs> no,
5: no, I didn't really have an answer. I was, I was He's pulled. a Starlight. 70s
6: guy, so it's Chewbacca. <laughs> there
5: we go. <laughs> 70 porn fucking pocket pussy with all that fur on it I get it All right. Now, Seriously here's the question What is your first memories of Star Wars And when did you first fall in love with it It could be one of the same It could be two different incidents Go
8: I know this one Andy um, I must have been about 8 years old And my dad watched Empire Strikes Back with me on TV Um and i just loved that movie and you know i didn't at the time comprehend that oh this is the second of a trilogy um so you know when i say i was eight years old that was 1998 (laughs) but um yeah i I just um I, i loved it and then we watched the other ones it was entirely out of order once you know i was old enough to really comprehend star wars i obviously watched them in order and i've been in love ever since especially in my teens i read all the books and really like took a deep dive into the universe.
7: Oh, uh, mine a very similar story. I don't actually remember the age, but I remember for Christmas one year, like it would have been around the same age, 9 to 9 to 11, I'll say somewhere in there. Uh, for Christmas one year, my aunt, I think, gave uh my brother and I the OG trilogy on VHS. It was the uh complete deal. I remember the box very vividly. It had like a gold box. Uh, the housed you know the three vHss and and we watched all of it, and I was always a, a big fan of uh, high fantasy, hard sci-fi, like all that kind of stuff. So as soon as I clued into what this was, I was super on board with it. And then, to be honest, I think I fell in love with it, uh, probably about the time we started really working on the short film. I, I always was you know, I always enjoyed Star Wars, and I, I liked the universe and how colorful and just there's there's so much to it. But I can't say I was super in-depth until we started working on Bucketheads. And then the more that I just sort of delved down the rabbit hole of uh, the fandom and legends and canon and separating it and finding cool stories and cool perspectives, I think that's when I really started to fall in love with it, that um, it is such a huge universe and there's so much to uh, to know and to to see and to hear and to read about. So that, that really uh,
8: brings a lot of love for me. You could say I, I uh, drove Andy to the dark side. You could,
5: yeah. Very cool. Very, very cool. Um, how did you guys hook up?
7: Whoa. Uh, <laughs> hasn't happened yet. He's got to pay first time. but It's a great uh, story, though. Yeah, we, we met um, on a film set. There, there's a, a festival here in Vancouver called the Crazy It's Film Fest. And it's like where a lot of up-and-coming individuals looking to make their next step will go and participate in this film fest. And I had just uh, joined the union here, IATSE 669 full-time, so I could work on all unionized sets and stuff. I joined it as a second AC, and I wanted to upgrade my skill set a little bit, so I went and participated in this film fest on some sort of higher-level indie films. And Marco was doing basically the same thing. He actually had not uh, looked at joining the union or anything, but he wanted to get in the camera world. So I was the A camera, second AC, and he was the B camera, second AC, on a little project called Twisted Slippers. And I was also looking to move out of my house, I believe, or or take on a roommate or something. I think I was looking – I was moving out, and I needed a new Your place. Your house was being demolished, so you had a oh, yes. place. Oh, yes. Yeah, my first house was being demolished, right, that I was I was living in in Vancouver. <laughs> and Marco, I guess, was also looking to move out of his place. He wanted to kind of downsize and, and maybe cheapen his rent a little bit. Downtown and, is expensive, guys. It's very expensive here in Vancouver, yeah. So we, we just started talking. I, I typically think of myself as a pretty good judge of character. And we started talking and I, I thought he was a rad dude right off the bat and that we could gel really well. And so immediately we were like, hey, I, I just, I, one of us broached it. Like, hey, yeah, looking for a new place. And The other guy was like, yeah, me too. So we just decided to live together.
8: Yeah, that we was. just met
7: one to be roommates. Sure, let's do it. And he met his, uh, he met his fiance that very same day as well. We all met uh, that, that first day and it was sort of just fated to be.
5: Look at that. Fateful night. You added Han, Leia, and Luke, and now you got the Holy Trinity over here of Bucketheads. I love it.
7: Absolutely, man. Yeah, that was uh, it. Was meant to be.
5: So which one of you guys are Han? Which one's Luke?
8: Oh, I'd be the Han. I'm definitely much mouthier. Well, in that <laughs> analogy, that would make me look and my future wife, Leia, and that's spicy.
6: <laughs> or illegal in America. Yeah. <laughs>
8: Depends on the state, I think.
5: That's definitely true. Very true. Very, very, very true. All right, interesting. I like it. I like it a lot. That's cool, man. Um, we always say, you know, there's only one thing better than the Star Wars on this show. And what's that, Doc? More fucking Star Wars. That's right. That's right. So, how did the idea of Bucketheads come about?
7: Uh, we were watching, I think we just watched um, Rogue One. Rogue One had just come out. We went to the theaters, we checked it out. We had a mutual friend who joined us, who was another film guy. And I think we went back to our place for drinks afterwards, and we all loved it. We thought it was great. Upon multiple viewings, I would say it's split into two different films. The first half is something and the second half is something. But the second half in particular, like really does a great job at, getting into the nitty-gritty of war and like bring in sort of this Vietnam feel to the combat. And it had really good pacing. Like I remember it has all these sort of false victory moments built in where it's like, oh, we almost made it. And then like another group of stormtroopers or the death troopers touch down. And they're like, oh God, like this this cannot be. So that was kind of the first time for me that I felt Star Wars actually attacked the Civil War feeling properly. It felt Like a real war, it was real combat. The stakes were higher than ever. And it it also was a bit of a darker film, like right off the bat. Um oh jeez, I always forget his name. Uh the the pilot, the the rebel pilot, Andor Cassian Andor. Cassian Andor, thank you. Cassian Andor, right off the bat, right? Merc's a guy, right in the back, like two camera, and it's super cold blooded. And that, again, was like raising of the stakes. Like, holy shit, here we actually have a war and people die. And sometimes it's not fair. And that's what it is. So we had gone back to our place and we were having drinks. And I think we were just chatting about how cool that was. And and it sort of evolved into how would we make a Star Wars film if we were able to do that. And then another sort of piece of the puzzle had just sort of lined up in in that time period. Marco was actually in the middle of joining the 501st. Oh, nice. Uh, yeah, he was building his first suit. He actually was denied on his first suit, but that's another story.
6: Yeah, oh, pre- we know all about that, don't worry. <laughs> you Come, didn't have yeah. that specifications down, eh?
7: Yes, they they have a very high standard. Of, we know. Uh, yeah. yeah, which you know, it's it works towards our favor certainly that that these are very passionate individuals that um, really do have incredibly screen accurate costumes. And so he was just joining the 501st at this point, And we just kind of put one-on-one together and said, like, hey, I think we've got some really good ideas here for what we would do if we made a Star Wars film. And it looks like we're about to have access to a lot of individuals with with screen-accurate costumes that would cost the majority of our budget. If we can put those things together, why don't we make something great? And it it just kind of evolved from there.
5: Very cool. Very cool. Uh, we, uh, we've had... Um... Friend of the show, Chris Feehan here. He's been, we're we're both, we both live in New York, Docs in Brooklyn. I'm in Long Island. Um, Feehan, Chris Feehan's also in Long Island. He's the uh, operating commander of the 501st Empire City Garrison here in Long Island, New York. So he's been on the show a few times and he's told us about the. Accuracy that's needed in order to join the Five O First and gave us all the, the all the details about what it takes and all the charity work that they're doing and this that and the other. So it's very cool that you're working with them and it's very cool that you're doing the God's work there, Marco, uh, with the Five O First Legion. Man, it's really cool.
8: What yeah, kind man, of uh, what
5: kind of outfit did you build? A stormtrooper? I have
8: a I have a stormtrooper. That's what I started with, and um, I built a scout trooper during the lockdown. Um, and I honestly miss trooping so fucking much, like um you know i i joined in 2016 um i trooped every opportunity i got until you know uh late 2019 usually there's not many troops in the winter um and you know then obviously everything just stopped and yeah. it's been it's been tough honestly not being able to to do that that work like it's incredibly rewarding and uh just such a joy to be out there in costume in character and uh interacting with kids and adults alike right so making bucket heads was kind of a nice little um, retreat where we could still be in character but be on camera i mean i didn't get to be in character because i had to make the film with andy but it was still this a similar energy at least right so i i I actually haven't been able to take my scout out Uh, i think i got it out for one event which was fan expo 20 20. It was literally like a con that happened a week before COVID happened. Everything got shut down, Uh, so I can't wait to take that for a spin once uh, everything's back, back open and back to normal. And we have our, uh, we have our officer uniform too. Don't forget that. It's true. We got an officer. Oh, actually, I um, I got a uh, a Jesse clone kit that is actually fully assembled. I just like from a fellow garrison member who got out of the game. Um, I just need to make some modifications so it fits me. So hopefully, I can be a clone as well soon.
5: Very cool, man. Very cool, Leia. Uh, I've always ad- admired people who who got into the game and, and getting the uh, getting the outfits. Um, after watching season two of Mandalorian, I wanted to get a uh, Boba Fett, um, you know, revised with the black cloak and the new, freshly painted. And then I started looking at the prices, and I'm like. Uh yeah, damn it. <laughs> Maybe not. You know? It is not a cheap hobby. Oh no. Dumbly. I mean Doc Doc himself, he's a toy connoisseur. He makes toys, he I collects toys, he has a shit ton of hot toys and all that stuff and uh and every figure you could possibly imagine. And I unfortunately got into the hobby of collecting like sideshow and gentle giant statues, uh, you know, DC and Marvel, but mainly Star Wars, and it's that's an expensive habit within itself. So, I'm like, I, I can't do this. I was like, I'm already, on, I'm already on crack. I'm not touching the black tar heroin of, uh, of, uh, you know, of buying costumes and all this stuff. You know, I got a couple of helmets that I bought, and that cost me an arm and a leg. You know, and I'm like, all right, it's enough for now. I was like, the kids got to go to college, so I gotta, gotta, you know, spread it out evenly amongst the years. I can't just spend all the Scott all right now and, and have my family starve. But I know anyway, oh. Geez. It's so addicting. (laughs) So goddamn addicting. You know what I I really enjoyed? I mean, I enjoyed the first episode a lot. I liked the nitty-gritty of the warfare. I liked the Ewoks. I liked everything. Uh, But I also really liked the intro with the music and the figures. It felt very... um, Sons of Anarchy. Sort of, yeah. Sort of Sons of Anarchy. More... um, HBO type of series that you would see. It wasn't your typical Star Wars open tour. So that's why I loved it. it. It was different, but it was also very fucking cool, man. Very cool. I really, really enjoyed it. Whose idea was it to do it with the figures and all that stuff and and the music? and?
8: Thanks for highlighting that, man. Um, it was uh, an Australian animation studio called It's Got Stealth. They did the credit sequence for the original short film, which was entirely just a very serendipitous um thing that came together uh because of reddit we posted a our poster on reddit back when the short film was uh, about to come out and they saw it and reached out to us just like hey we've we love star wars we make really rad title sequences do you want us to make yours and we're like we looked at their work and it's like incredible uh and we were like i mean we'd love to but we absolutely cannot afford you and they're like <laughs> don't worry about that we're like, nice. okay so uh they, sold
3: right oh, man, free. totally
8: so the price we was them, right yeah we, we gave them full creative control because you know if you can't pay someone obviously you got to give them something and they just came up with that um so when we when we put together the series um we just asked them like hey like everyone loved it we loved it do you want to do it again and they were like yeah of course um so again they came up with that on their own i mean we gave them a little bit of guidance as to what is happening in the series the title sequence is very much like a um like a breakdown of what's to come and what what's going to occur in the entire first season which is fucking brilliant i think um but they really put it together uh, and executed it and the song is from the same guy who made the title song for the short film again same scenario We're like hey do you want to come back and do this he was like yeah absolutely and he wrote another original song and it just worked out that way
5: very cool man very yeah. cool i like the vibe it presents it's different it's la- it's it's very laid back almost like tarantino pulp fiction-esque type of vibe like when he's cruising on heroin in the car and they're playing that song like you know what i'm saying it was just it was it was it was totally different vibe than star wars but it was also star wars at the same time so i was like i'm digging this this is different but good different not different like sequel trilogy bad different you know yeah, what i'm saying so for
8: sure not subverting you know.
7: expectations yeah, we, yes. we looked at the at the mandalorian a little bit honestly yeah. for how different we could be because that was a, a big thing going into this was wanting to not just like to not be like every other fan film out there and not um you know just only take john williams classical scores and and rework that in, in like a minor difference we really wanted to uh, to change things up a little bit and show that there there's such a huge universe, you can do a bunch of different things. You just have to respect the property at the same time. But once the Mandalorian came out and, and especially season two, and they really were switching up and and adding some new flavors, especially as, as far as um, uh, musical scores and soundtracks go, we were like, okay, this is this is now I think the time that we can actually release this and and it would probably be received well because you know the the Mandalorian cut that cut that uh, that first path for us, I think
6: yeah, for me, like the the opening uh, sequence with the uh, the music, it kind of set the tone because I've seen a lot of fan film. I've seen a lot of bad fan films. I've seen a lot of good fan films. And I think you know y- you have like a few seconds to kind of draw somebody in when it comes to something that is produced from the outside and not on the inside. Um, and but, and I think I had the same reaction that Star Wars Theory did too because that's that's how I think we originally popped off to this is that, we saw his reaction to um to the first episode, and I I watched the first like two seconds of him, and I'm like I can't deal with the whole narration thing, so I'm just gonna go to YouTube and find the actual one and watch it myself. But then going back and watching his, I had the same reaction from the beginning. It's like, oh shit's getting real here, like from the very very beginning. And this is well done. This is well produced. Okay, you you you've got my seven minutes now. Let's go. And the same thing happened for the, you know, for the movie, going back and watching the movie. 13 minutes. Okay, whatever. Let's get it done. You know, because for the most part, anytime I watch a a video on my phone, either on YouTube or Instagram, the first thing to do is click it to see how long that fucker is. Because I'm like, you got me for about 38 seconds, unless it's a it's a hood fight. And then I'm in for a minute and a half. Um, But uh, that 13 minutes felt it it just blew by for the, you know, for the for the movie, Um, because it was that intro really pulls you in, and then after that, like you said, the table is set and you're done.
8: Awesome, awesome, man. That's yeah, thank
7: you. That's super good to hear. Yeah, like I, you know, pacing is certainly something that we try to keep in mind because we are we are trying to aim above just like a fan film. Uh, not that I think there's any issue in calling it a fan film or or other fan films, but um, you know, we wanted to look and and emulate professional film. Oh, it does. And, and a part of that, a part of that always, you know, a big part of that always comes down to story. Story is king, right? And the pacing of the story and the, the amount you unveil things to the audience. So we definitely felt that going into it, that we had to come out big and flashy and then start to bring in some of those story elements and stuff. And and ultimately, like, it, it honestly was a bit of a heartbreaker for us to chop episode one up into three chapters because, we again, we didn't want pacing to suffer. You know, that was written to be a 30-minute piece of television. And then to chop that into 10-ish minute bites. Uh, I, I was very concerned, at least, that uh, the pacing overall was going to suffer. And we'd lose some people in that sense. But um, I think we found some pretty good ways to break it up. And, and ultimately, each chapter, I think, is going to feel good. And uh, the hope is certainly going from episode two to five. That we do every episode as it's uh, in its entirety as it was written to be.
5: So how long is the first season? Five episodes?
7: Five episodes and each, each episode is going to be about 30 minutes, I'd say, give or take five minutes a piece because we're not actually distributing through a, a network or TV or anything. We're not really held to the 30-minute standard, but yeah. we just found that that's a good benchmark.
5: Uh, just like bench the
8: Mandalorian. <laughs> yeah.
5: <laughs> now, question. When you guys decided to go down this path in, 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 in this endeavor, did you guys have to go through all the legal loopholes with Lucasfilm and get permission to do so? Or did you have to reach out to them and say, hey, we're doing a film, but we're not going to profit off of it. Can we use your characters and your IP? I mean, how does the process within itself work?
8: We very much took a um, a hint out of um, Star Wars Theory's playbook. Um, OK. We, we did we did a re- research and essentially Disney and Lucasfilm are incredibly tolerant and accepting of fan films and even encourage them as long as they stick to their very simple rules. So we never directly talked to Lucasfilm. Uh, they had, kind of have like a "don't ask, don't tell" policy. Like, don't tell us that you're doing this, and we'll look the other way. Okay. But uh, I mean, the simple rules are: you know, don't try and profit off of it. Don't sell it, um, which we're not. Uh, stick with the lore. Oh, like stick with the brand. So don't make it like overtly violent, or make it a porn parody, or anything like that.
6: <laughs> I've seen um, those.
8: <laughs> right. Those surely exist. Yeah, yeah. and don't don't try to trample on their copyright by like trying to put it in a movie theater or you know try and uh, pitch it to a professional network well Um,
7: the other one that you always miss is don't ask the fans explicitly for their money to make a star wars fan film we 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 do run a patreon that supports our channel and and there is very clear language there in sort of a disclaimer that says anything you're donating here is to support the Transview pictures channel and it's our intention to first get out season one. Yeah. But that that, there that, anything anything after that is sort of is what it is. And that, that is the language you have to be really forthcoming with and not saying, Hey, give me five bucks or ten bucks a piece to make a Star Wars fan film. They will
8: come after you for that. And gotcha. that's exactly what we took as guidance from all the other fan films that are out there. And I mean the, the biggest one out there with the largest footprint is obviously Star Wars Theories, Vader series. So he's been able to do that um, with the same model. So we figured that if that's OK, then what we're doing must be OK, too. And so far, so good. And he did we actually he did
7: have more uh, clear channels with Disney yeah. if in, in all of everything he's put forward to his audience, is that he did speak to Disney about all this stuff. Um, so, yeah, we we kind of think yeah. as long as we follow his model and, and sort of what he's doing in that sense, we should be totally fine.
8: And I actually cool. know at this point that the Lucasfilm's social media director has looked at this. Um, because we we obviously have that connection to the 501st and try to give them some love as well through this project. Just like, hey, these guys have worked really hard on this and, and contributed to this and an awesome organization. So they actually link up with Lucasfilm like, hey, is it okay if we share this? And Lucasfilm said, yes,
5: Sweet. go ahead. So that's awesome. Yeah, definitely, man. Definitely. Definitely. Um... I personally love everything about the, the episode itself. I mean, and the fan and the original movie as well. But the the fact the way you guys started episode one kind of reminded me of episode three in space, which is very dope. And the way it moved, you know, with the TIE fighter and all that stuff that it, it was very fluid like it was it, it didn't miss a beat to the point where it was choppy by any means of the imagination. It was almost like a dance. Like there was a rhyme, there was a rhythm to the to everything, and it was easy to digest and register and follow and tell the story. And then when you went to the planet, it felt like David and Ryan, but on Endor. So it was really, really fucking dope. So awesome. I mean, that you know what I'm saying? Like a lot of people, they they try, but they miss the mark. I think you guys are spot on with everything, and um, that's why I reached out to you guys because when I saw it, I couldn't believe this was just, you know. Some guys doing it out of love. I'm like, this actually looks like it belongs in the movie theater alongside Mandalorian, alongside what has been put out so far as the sequel trilogy, Rogue One, Solo. I mean, it was phenomenal. I couldn't believe it. So I was like, yo, I got to get these guys on the show and we got to talk shop. So, you know, Here we are. you guys are.
7: Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Everything you're saying is like music to our ears, honestly. Uh, but Saving Private Ryan was one of the inspirations for this. Uh, it, was, it was sort of Saving Private Ryan, Band of Brothers, Jarhead. We really wanted to emulate something with the feeling of those films and the grittiness of war and it's not such a pretty dressed up romanticized thing as as it sometimes takes on in film but rather it's like super mushy gray tone nobody has a goddamn idea what's going on but some people are just soldiers that are told to fight and they do it because they have to Yeah, right
5: there doc yeah i have no idea what just
6: happened oh i know what
5: happened <laughs> you yeah, got wait is spiro's force ghost messing I with exactly
6: i have an errant child balloon in my fucking room hold on <laughs>
5: So uh, one thing I really, you know, in wrestling, we use wrestling terminology on this podcast. So I'm going to say the word pop. What pop means in wrestling is, you know, you get a reaction from the crowd. It's called a crowd pop, right? So one thing I popped for is when you guys, and I don't want to, you know, hit anyone with spoilers. But what I'm going to say, what happened with the Ewok before the guy went upside down? I laughed my ass off because, number one, it kind of plays to the OT fans who... Aren't very keen of the Ewoks, but at the same time, it makes perfect sense in that instant where you're in the middle of a, a battle, and it's either you or, or your teddy enemy bear or the teddy bear, right? So what are you gonna do? And then, it, and it, it was just, it was just funny. I was just like, I was like, ah, finally, you know what I'm saying? It was, it was, it was, it was a nice little nod. I, I, I felt to what fans really want to see, and you know what I'm saying. So it was pretty cool, man. So. Kudos to that dude! I can't wait for the second episode. When are you guys dropping the the second episode?
8: We are planning to release it uh, in late 2021, definitely before the end of the year. It's uh, just dependent on um, all our volunteers being available to film the next part, um, but definitely this year. Well,
5: if you need any actors, I know, I know, I know a couple guys uh, who are, who do a Star Wars podcast. i would be more than happy to join your crew. Uh, a doctor Next. and a professional wrestler. Bob no, it, it,
6: it's not a porn parody. They said that already, so relax.
5: <laughs> well, listen, if it, if it was a porn parody, in my experience, it'd be a short film, thirty seconds in and out yeah. with cleanup. We're done. But, <laughs> um, what else
6: do you need? <laughs> maybe as
7: maybe as part of our tales from the five hundred first We can work something like that. In. I don't know if it works out for Bucketheads
8: <laughs> That's that's tales t a
7: i l s
5: <laughs> nice um no I, you know i'm just i'm just joking uh but uh in all actuality if you ever do need people i'm more than interested i was in the movie the wrestler so i have acting experience so oh, you know dude,
6: great film Damn, awesome, thank awesome.
5: you i don't know about acting experience but he was in <laughs> the wrestler let me tell you <laughs> prick fucking prick anyway um so uh All right. So how did you guys come about putting this all together? I mean, did you guys sit down and write out the entire season? Did you guys make up your own characters? Did you guys do storyboards? I mean, just so maybe somebody who's listening to this and wants to do a film but doesn't know how to go about it. What would you say the steps are in achieving this?
7: Uh, it, honestly, it's been a really evolving process for us, especially going from the original short film to uh, the prologue that we just released because our, our team has just grown immensely. At this point, we have over 150 individuals uh, on the team in various departments working on, on you know all manner of things. But I think I think the steps to me to, to any film are, are fairly clear and it all really comes together in pre-prod. Like this whole idea of fix it in post really only goes so far. Uh, you know, fix your minor fuck ups and things that that you just have to attack in the moment. Sure, take those to post, but the rest of it is all pre product You you will not get a good product unless first off your story is is something you're you're happy with, right? It makes sense, it's paced out. Um, even before that, we did we did character sheets. We made sure we understood where do our characters come from. What would their motivation be in the story, right? It's super easy to come up with like an outline of what you want to do. But then I think you need to delve into the individual aspects of that. Who's the characters involved? What's the challenge they overcome? Where's the emotional arcs? So break down your script in every way conceivable and just make sure you are happy with that script. And then I think after that, uh, the planning of the cinematography should take priority, making sure you uh, have a shot list or go and pre-vis the whole thing. We did that with the original short film and parts of the prologue. We go out with the camera beforehand and like three friends and it looks stupid as hell. But as long as it makes sense to you, and then you can visualize how it's going to come together in post, again, saves you so much uh,
8: effort and pain when it comes to piecing it together. Break it down what? into shots and then shoot it for your edit. That's really, especially with a production where you suddenly have you know 60 people in, in, in the woods and limited daytime, you can't be figuring it out on the day. You need to go with a plan and know exactly what you need to get.
7: And I think I think the final thing I would say, because this one I think gets brought up a lot too, is um, we we made the prologue, the thing we just released for about twelve thousand Canadian. That is that is goddamn peanuts when it comes to. That's like thing.
5: seven dollars U.S.
7: Yeah, yes. well, it's like six fifty, like you know, two months <laughs> ago. Uh, so it's peanuts, but. Uh, I think a lot of people get stuck on the dollar value and think like, holy shit, how can I possibly like we didn't we barely paid for any of this stuff. And, and the idea is just that you got to make sure the people a that you're attaching to the project are right for the project. Right. There are, I think, a lot of contacts Marco and I have of, of people that are very famous or do really, really good work. But like maybe it's not right for the project. Maybe they don't have the time to donate to this. Maybe they're looking for a specific a specific amount of money that you can't offer. Then move on. Then then go find someone else who is willing to put the time in and does have, uh, you know, an up and coming skill set and you can help foster that kind of stuff. And then just try and give everybody something back from the project. Some people, all they want to do is be on camera. Cool. Make them an actor. You know, give them a, a piece, whether it's a bit role or a big part. You know, you determine that, but give them something to look forward to.
8: Most if people are
7: happy with just a T-shirt. Yeah, like we give out tons of T-shirts, you know, because that's something that we can afford. It's it helps people feel they were a part of the project, and then they get to celebrate in the excitement of the release. So I, I, that's another big one is just don't be don't be too lost in like shit. How do I pay for all this stuff? You don't have to just get people excited. When people are excited, they will they will work hard, you know, to make that a dream or that. But also a
8: also make sure that people feel appreciated. Like that, I think that's a huge. Part of why we are able to assemble such a high-end and large team is because we make sure everybody feels like they're contributing to an awesome project. We make sure to thank them for all the hard work they do. And uh, we're always very straight with everyone who wants to contribute to this uh, with exactly what this is and what the purpose is.
7: And I I got one final one, which is just be a leader, don't be a boss. That's yeah. another thing that we do very much is man we drive most of the trucks and you know early morning pickups and getting equipment from one place to another so that it can be touched up and worked on and then taken out like we do so much of that we we have many sleepless nights and at this part at this point we do have a team of a ton of individuals who are taking that over and helping us but to get to that point like it was Marco and I bust an ass while we're trying to make money at our day job, and then like in every waking moment, it was like, "Did you review those new pages? No. Did you contact that guy? Fuck. Like, okay, I guess I'm getting four hours of sleep tonight instead of six because I gotta yeah. type up six more emails." So
8: we went to the studio today and lumped what like forty wall flats up up the up to the second floor. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, you know whatever needs to get done, we'll 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 do it. Absolutely, absolutely.
5: That's a great attitude to have, man, because a lot of people, unfortunately, they, they drink their own Kool-Aid and uh, they suffer because of it. And me, I always feel the attention, the, the the attention's in the details, whether it's the little details in the movie, little details in, like you said, the prepping of the scenes and making sure that you're there for, for a purpose and a reason and everything you're doing has meaning Um and also the, the details in, like you said, being a leader, not a boss and obviously showing everybody, hey, I'm going to get my hands dirty, too. I'm, you know what I'm saying? And I'm a team player and I'm just like you and you know better than me and yada, 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 because that adds to the culture of an environment. And also, you know, it, it shows everybody that, hey, these fuckers want it, too. It's not just us who want to be in front of the camera or whatever the case may be. We're all one team, one dream. And that that goes miles. So kudos to you guys. That's awesome, man. Very cool. Very fucking cool. Um, doc, you have to say anything. Uh, I was just going to say that
6: Papa Don knows all about, you know, really doing the hard lugging work because he works every Friday and Saturday to wrestle for a hot dog and a handshake. So he he's okay with not, you know, getting paid and not <laughs> He's smiling now because he knows I'm fucking with him. But, um, it's true what you guys are saying. I mean, if, if you can't lead, you know, I, I, I run my department and I tell everybody when they ask me, why do you still do, I work in the emergency room. Why do you still do nights and weekends? Because I lead from the front, not from the back. Um, and that's not because I'm Greek because I'm not, um, but if you show the people that who you're working with, who work for you, who work with you, that you're willing to do exactly what they do, they have no complaints. They know you have the stake in the game and they know that you're not just pointing fingers and yelling that you're actually, you know, doing the work with them. So I Amen. think you, you could definitely get people on your side with that.
7: Totally. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it kind of blows me away and at the same time I mean I understand it but it blows me away how how easy it is sometimes to get really high-end professionals attached and I think that's just as a part of like you say is living living the product right living and breathing it um it's not a, a literally not a day that Marco and I aren't answering emails and doing things like our work-life balance is horrendous and our wives hate us for it but we love what we do and you know we get the product done it's, it's a lot of fun in that sense
5: it's important. Hey man, you only live one life And this is what it's about, following your dreams You know what I'm saying? And Trust me I've been wrestling 22 years, so I know exactly what it means to, to to pursue something that that that's near and dear to your heart You know, I got four kids and a wife Been married almost 20 years So, you know, and I got a puppy now Which means I'm the lone man on the totem pole In the fucking household, so, you know um, But, uh, you know, you were saying about the prepping Making sure you get the daylight hours and everything like that I mean, you probably know the story Uh, For our six fans, maybe they don't know the story, but Robert Rodriguez, when he did his episode for season two of Mandalorian, he showed Filoni and Favreau what he wanted to do for the episode with action figures and showed his shots with action figures. That's sick. and, And the funny thing is you would think that Favreau and Filoni would look down on it, but they loved it to the point they said, this is the greatest thing we've ever seen. And that just earned him more brownie points. And now he's producing the book of Boba Fett that's coming out in December because of his love for this character. So, you know, Robert, if, if gonna... you're listening, I want my action figures back. <laughs> <laughs>
7: if, it, if I know anything about Robert Rodriguez, they're already half
8: blown up. So
5: probably I yeah, oh. have a
7: time. Well, I, are... I, th-
8: I think we just found a new way to do a storyboard, Sandy. That sounds pretty awesome. I got some pretty good action figures, so I'm ready for that
5: nice uh so uh are you guys um uh, so now now that you're going along with the with the rest of the season obviously you guys got a lot of work to do are you going to be able to sit back and enjoy book of boba fett are you looking forward to what's coming down the pike uh with these new series uh with these new movies allegedly with taika and uh patty uh what's your name Uh, Jenkins. patty jenkins you know, with the with the Rogue Squadron. I mean, what are you guys looking forward to the most that's going to be coming out soon? Uh,
8: I'm definitely looking forward to the book of Boba Fett. I mean, uh, The Mandalorian is, in my opinion, the greatest thing that happened to Star Wars since the original trilogy. Um, and uh, I can't wait to see the spinoff from that. I mean, I always joke with Andy that Disney Plus is a business expense for us because we need to watch it from a professional standpoint. We need to be caught up on Star Wars. Smart. Some work. It's work watching all these movies now. So,
7: <laughs> what do you mean you joke? We literally write off our our streaming services That is services not true. We don't. Well, this year, we're friggin' better. Well, because I, there's no reason not to.
5: But I, business expense. I'm an accountant, is, so yeah, you guys got true, it. it.
7: It is a true business expense. We need these things to to keep up to date. But I I think you hit the nail for me. Uh, uh book of Boba Fett. I was so stoked on. How they brought Boba Fett back into the Mandalorian and, and sort of the presence he takes on and who he becomes. I, I really enjoyed what they did with him. Uh, so I'd say that or also Obi-Wan. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the the uh, Obi-Wan series and, and seeing what they do with that. And I'm stoked also that Ewan McGregor is coming back because there is no other Obi-Wan in my mind. Yeah, anytime I hear the name Obi-Wan, Ewan's face uh, is pictured there with the glorious beard
8: speaking of kenobi sorry for the quick sidebar um this is actually something that i feel so weird telling people that because i have no physical evidence to back this up but hear me out so the our first ad our first assistant director on bucket heads is friends with one of the camera operators on kenobi and um i have it from him directly that he showed it to mcgregor on the set he showed McGregor episode one. He watched the entire thing, and so it was bloody brilliant. And I think that's fucking awesome.
5: That's that's beyond awesome.
8: Yeah,
6: that's amazing. Yeah. You know, it was a, a,
8: it was a spirit raising thing to
7: hear for sure. Because you know, we something raising, everywhere. that's for sure. Something, you're right. You're right. It wasn't just my something that's I, call I call it the spirit.
5: <laughs> 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 well, listen, man. To be to be honest with you. You'd be surprised how many people out there you may think are not watching, but are actually watching. You know what I'm saying? So uh, to see the fact that Ewan has watched this and enjoyed this immensely, that's awesome. I wouldn't be surprised if he passed it on to Hayden or maybe even George seen it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, uh, I'm friends with a couple of people that used to be at Collider, and they they did this offshoot parody deep fakes with george lucas i don't know if you've seen it but george lucas saw the deep fake parody of himself with the comedian who played him shit talking about disney and he got a chuckle from it and loved it and told the people at collider through a third party that he enjoyed it and he thought it was hilarious so you'd be surprised who's actually watching it and actually enjoying your work you know and i mean with what you guys produced it wouldn't be too far-fetched that Anybody from Lucasfilm or anybody from, you know, the original trilogy or anybody involved in any of the Star Wars projects has watched what you do and say, shit, that was fucking awesome. Why didn't we do that on the sequel trilogy? God damn it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was really well done. I mean, I can't even say it enough. And, uh, you know, I'm going to stop blowing you guys. But, you know,
7: <laughs> they're not <laughs> finished know.
5: yet. Keep going. <laughs> um, tell me
7: how to keep going. That does, that's totally good by me.
5: <laughs> oh man tremendous um what we do on this show man we do we, we go through a couple news if you guys want to stay on and just hang out with us and go through the the, the aspects of the show we'd like to get your takes on certain matters and we do a segment where we compare two aspects of star wars again it's wrestling lingo i don't know if you guys are, are you guys wrestling fans at all or no
7: i gotta say it was never for me i, I apologize I, I love it to this day I,
5: like- you don't have to apologize the it's rest you
7: were on, the great film. I love the idea of it and the artistry, but it was just never something I got into.
5: That's cool. Okay, so we use wrestling lingo. So like I said, you heard the word pop, which means reaction. We There's something called being over with the fans, which means being popular with the fans. We do a segment, Who's More Over, where we compare two aspects of Star Wars. We'll do that later on. We'll get your take on it, and we'll keep moving forward with everything. We just want you guys to hang out and have a good time. That's cool with you guys, if you have the time.
3: Love
5: it. Yes. All right, cool. Well, a lot of news came out this week. Uh, first news that came out was unfortunate news. Well, no, let's let's backtrack. It was great news. Dave Filoni got a promotion, guys. But this promotion happened a year ago. And it just happened that Disney decided to update their website a year later to where he got the, the nod and the title of executive creative director. Um, the funny thing, though, is that even though this allegedly happened a year ago, People that he worked with, um, uh, Katie Sackhoff and Ming-Na Wing, they went to Twitter and they were like celebrating, like it was departing like there was 1999. Uh, Ming-Na Wing on Twitter, at Ming-Na, goes, hell yes, exclamation points galore. So happy for you, at Dave Filoni. And then Katie Sackhoff goes, I mean, dot, 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 this is the way, at Dave Filoni. Brilliant. So... I don't know what to believe what's going out there with this whole scenario. People are saying it's no big deal. He's sharing the, the title along with Doug Chang and um, the guy who came up with Rogue One. What's his name? John Noll. Yes, John Noel. Thank you very much. Sorry, the CTE from wrestling kicks in and I forget things from time to time. But uh, to me, I'm happy. I'm happy he's getting his just due. I mean, the guy's earned his keep. But the fact that this happened a year ago, I don't know why people would be celebrating now that are so close to him or work with them on The Mandalorian, and they don't even know. So I don't know if shit got lost in translation. I don't know if Disney's just, just, just not trying to make a big deal out of this because of the quote unquote uh, problems behind the scene or whatever people want to call it, Civil War. I don't know if you guys are in with the rumors or listen to what's going on behind the scenes, um, but people on YouTube, people in the Star Wars lore running running wild like Mania used to do back in the 80s with all this rumors and sexual Nintendos and innuendos and everything like that. So, uh, Doc, first and foremost, what's your thoughts on this matter?
6: Uh, I don't care when it happened. I don't care how it happened, but it happened. And we need to see more of this happen. He needs to get more control of, of Disney because uh, we've already seen that Filoni and Favreau are gold. And in Filoni and Favreau, we trust, as our t-shirts say. Very true. What about you guys? We still haven't, that we still haven't printed up. Well,
8: I think, I actually uh, had no idea it was um, already in place last year. I thought, just like Katie Sackhoff and co, that it just happened and was elated by the news for all the reasons that Doc just mentioned. Um, Very strange, very strange that it happened over a year ago and Disney decided to sit on it for a year. Uh, I would assume it it had to do with their internal politics and them not trying to or trying to prevent people from um, taking that news one way or another. Uh, And maybe also just uh, shielding uh, our very good friend Kathleen Kennedy from uh, some online hate that she's getting. I, th- I think and it's entirely sarcastically.
7: I, I think it's entirely optics. Personally, I think I think they chose to put it out at the time they did. I, I'm assuming like there was the whole Gina is it Gina Carrero? Gina Carrano? Carrano Carre- Carrano Pardon me. When when you know she got fired a, a while ago or let go a while ago because of those comments, and I, I'm assuming it was around that time that the uh, what's what's the the new one that was being produced with her. Um, Rangers, the Rangers, yeah, new Rangers of, of the Republic. When I'm assuming that at around the same time she was let go was was cancelled or something. But I started seeing quite a resurgence of things about this, and you know, and Pauly's uh, attachment to it as well. Um, and so I, I saw a resurgence of this, and then this whole announcement about Filoni taking this uh, title. That and, and then I, I read what you were reading as well. That hey, wait a minute, he's he's had this for a while. This is like nothing. It's just updating a, a name on his desk kind of thing. So I personally think it just comes down to optics. I think disney held and 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 bided their time to announce that he had been given this position and and sort of put it forth to the fandom as an official thing and I think when they saw that some of the optics of their their new releases weren't you know probably projecting very well on themselves, they just tried to give a, a a good little bite of information for the fans to latch on to.
5: I see where you're coming from and I, i'm 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 along the ride with you on 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 your on your uh analysis. But then as we take one step forward with this news that finally makes the interwebs of Filoni getting this promotion, we we take two steps back because then they say directly from Lucasfilm that Rangers is now put on the shelf and it's not happening. So it's like they give us an inch and then they take back a mile. Um, Just so you guys know, Doc and myself, we're not one of these Part of these group of people just to hate for the sake of hating. We're fans of the sequel trilogy, even though it's not as great as the other movies. Uh, Spiro hates the fucking sequel trilogy. Yeah, he's not here, you know, and he wants to like, <laughs> even though we call him Kathleen Kennedy's number one fan and Ryan Johnson's number one fan, he loves them without any remorse. But, um, uh, it just—it's funny how things are just. Because Doc said this a few weeks ago on a, on a prior show. When there's smoke, there's fire, and I also do a conspiracy theory podcast with four other wrestlers, with three other wrestlers. So I'm always in the mindset of trying to read between the lines of everything. You know, whether it's news, news, sound bites, headlines, whatever the case may be. Um, too many things are going down that don't make sense, and I don't know what to believe. I don't know if I want to believe anything. At the same time, I just want to be be sit back and enjoy everything as a fan and not worry about all the schematics and the politics and all the BS that everyone wants to get their nose in. But at the same time, like you said, okay, yay, Filoni finally got his just due. Oh, shit, is not happening now. You know, originally, she let, was let go. Corona was let go. Then they were saying Hero Sandula was supposed to take the role. And now it's not happening. So I so don't it know did- what-
7: it did happen, right? The announcement though was after they announced that Filoni was getting that title. Is that right?
5: Yeah. That's when you read it.
7: So I, I still think that that it's an optics thing. That they, they just tried to soften the blow to the fans that, hey, here's a, something that we've been pumping and, and talking about, you know, replacing Gina and, and we've got other options, and then they just probably decided, hey, we we're not gonna move forward on it, but we can't just give that news. So let's soften the blow with like this little feel good tidbit that's that's my personal take but
5: doc you have anything to add um no <laughs> oh, oh, oh wow okay well uh i did mention earlier that your opening of episode i got gonna keep one, this guy on
6: track guys i'm sorry <laughs> i i uh
5: i i did <laughs> i did mention earlier that your your episode reminded me of uh revenge of the sith and it happens to be that Revenge of the Sith. That Revenge of the Sith is now sixteen years old. They're saying Yay. that it sixteen years ago. Episode three dropped. Are you fans of uh, prequel trilogy by any chance? Uh,
8: Revenge of the Sith is certainly a very entertaining movie. I, I will never get over some of the uh, directing choices and the dialogue, especially in Phantom Menace and Attack of the Clones. Uh, but I i love a lot of the aspects of the universe that are portrayed in those films you know especially the whole deal with uh setting up the clone army and then order 66 like that is that is awesome
7: i i said it before and and i'll say it again story is king for me like especially as a filmmaker and and i could break down why i enjoy the, the uh prequels in a number of ways, but the best one to me is just that it does such a good job tying in with the OG trilogy and completing this idea of the chosen one, and it was Anakin, and I, I just love how much it fulfills and fleshes that out and keeps very true to that storyline and and doesn't detract from it, but just like builds it up into a bigger place. Love that. Love that. that visualizing all of them together is like such a cool story to me that it it, it has a good a good place in my
5: heart. Doc, we
0: know you
6: uh, like prequels. I love the prequels. Uh and I especially love The Revenge of the Sith. Um I think it's one of our movies that we quote the most in the show. It's super quotable. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Uh, especially the uh, the last few scenes. Um and dying of sadness, which I always have to throw in by the way, which is my favorite. Um 16 years is a long time. That's that's insanity, man. Um it could legally get finger banged in the back of a limousine going to prom now. So it's, uh, it's a, pro- yeah, yeah, it's, it's <laughs> oh, well, it depends on, 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 the, uh, on the territory you're in, I guess. Um, yeah. or Boy. state it's, uh, I think for, for me, it's probably the best of the, of the prequel films. Um, Definitely. just because it really gives you, it gives you the most meat on the bone when it comes to figuring out, you know, the beef between Kenobi and Vader and, and how, Anakin became Vader. Anakin, Anakin, um, it's uh, it's one of my favorites, and um, I'm happy to see it kind of be brought to light, and I can't wait, Pop, for us to do the, uh, the Revenge of the Sith review show. That will, you know, sit down and do a watch along. Oh, absolutely!
5: It's one of my favorite films. I think it's on par with the OT trilogy. Uh, for me, it's my, it's up there with with uh, Return of the Jedi as far as uh greatness and I've, I've said this in the past there's only one scene in the movie i do not like um that's when they go to uh palpatine's office and he jumps up and takes out four jedis just like that i think it would have been better if it was like a five ten minute fight scene and he maybe had a little trouble with three or four jedis and finally gets the best of them and he just took them out very very quickly in wrestling you used to watch back in the day Nobody's get beaten two minutes on a Saturday morning, like uh, you know, episode. Though they were called jobbers because they did the job, you know what I'm saying? For the superstars. So that's what it felt like. Kid Fisto and the other guy just got squashed in a matter of a couple seconds by, by a Sith Lord. And you're like, oh come on, man, you could have made this scene at least five, ten minutes longer and gave us a little bit more action. But you're forgetting
6: unlimited power! <laughs>
5: Speaking about unlimited power, and, and um, an article rec- recently came out that sparked my interest about Darth Maul, one of my favorite guys in Star Wars. I don't know if, how you guys feel about Maul. I think he's the most visually appealing character in all of Star Wars, in my my opinion. Yeah. But um, they want to know the, the 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 article basically. The title is Star Wars: Why Did Darth Maul Never Use Force Lightning? So the article basically states. He
6: lost, uh, the recipe.
5: He, what? he lost the recipe oh he lost the recipe yeah uh, uh, Maul never mastered the power because A he wasn't a true Sith Lord he was just a weapon used by uh, Palpatine and B uh, he said that uh, he was never in tune with his hate in order to use the lightning but then they contradict those statements in the article saying that Snoke once upon a time made use of force lightning but didn't qualify as a sith lord just a dark side user which we know later on through retconning he's a stratocast being manipulated by palpatine and then they say that ray was able to use force lightning with no training so they basically try to break down why they think maul was not a a, uh wasn't able to use fort lightning he's saying uh, Maul definitely could have used Force Lightning in the situation if if a situation demanded it. Fans will remember that both Rey and Dooku used it during hatred or painful moments. Now, even though Maul had a lot of hatred for Obi Wan Kenobi, he never lost himself within his anger, so there was no need for him to use the power. Force Lightning is a unique power that gets displayed in unique situations. For example, Duke, Dooku tried it against Yoda, but the powerful Jedi Master was able to repel it. After that, Rise of Skywalker, Palpatine upgraded lightning to a storm against the entire fleet of the resistant warriors. However, it's still a power that mostly used by Dark Side users. So just because Maul didn't doesn't mean that he couldn't use it to wreak havoc. And they left it open-ended. So I just wanted to get everyone's take here. What do you guys think? Why do you think Maul never used Force lightning?
7: Okay, I got... So uh, I kind of go back to what you were saying about uh, your opinion of the new trilogy. Um, I I have no issue. Like I'm not a Disney hater. Um, You know, there, there are things that I don't like that they've done. And there are things that I think are great that they've done. And and that rings very true with the, uh, the new trilogy. But one thing that I really didn't like about it was how much of a Mary Sue Ray comes off as that. She doesn't need the training. Every other individual in the, the three trilogies has had to go to to achieve their level of greatness, Ray just hasn't, and for very little explanation. So if there's any part of um, canonical Star Wars I would ignore, I think it's how much force, uh, how, many, how many force abilities Ray has access and, and mastery basically over uh, from very little to no training at all. And I think, cause I think it just kind of waters down the rest of the characters. If you think about it, like, why couldn't they do it? Why couldn't, you know, force heal like, wow, did force heal ever just become this thing that anybody could do. And in prior, again, in, in the OG and the prequel trilogy, I mean, that was part of the entire, um, uh, oh God, I'm losing my word. Uh, the entire, um, destiny that, that Anakin, you know, was set out upon and, and what was described to him from Darth Plagueis and, uh, all these, all these really mystical powers that were talked about—that Ray all of a sudden just has total control over. I, I really don't like that.
6: Okay. I, I, I saw a funny meme. It was uh, Obi Wan standing over the the dying body of Qui Gon Jinn, and Qui Gon goes to him, "Obi Wan, please force heal me." He goes, "Master, Disney hasn't invented that power yet." <laughs> Very accurate. <laughs>
5: Well, what about you, Marco? Why do you think Maul does not do the zappity-zappity crackle-crackle with his fingers?
8: I honestly don't have a good answer for that, but uh, very much like Andy said, I would not really give credence to anything that the pre, uh, that the sequels explained or tried to lay out because none of it really made a lot of sense. I guess the reason Ray was able to use force Lightning was explained by the fact that she is a Palpatine. Um, as far as um Maul is concerned, um, I just think there was never really a story reason for it. I mean, Maul is probably one of the most criminally underused characters and villains, uh, you know, possibly of all time. He was such a badass character in in uh, Phantom Menace and then he just disappeared. And he was fleshed out really well in the Clone Wars, I thought. Oh yeah. Um but uh I just think in terms of the the main movies it just they never got into his character enough to just warrant a, a scene or a state where, where that would have been appropriate for his character to use. So ultimately, I think that's a question that George Lucas may be able to answer, but I, I certainly can't. Well, I think, huh?
7: I, I think it was, I don't know if it was Papa Don or, or Doc who said it, but um, that, that he was used primarily as a weapon. I you know, that would be the, the line of thinking I would take personally with it is is that he wasn't he was trained to an extent, and, and a very large extent, but ultimately he was trained for the purposes he had to to serve, right? To the the reasons um that, that his masters deemed. And I, I think that is is the way that I would like to view that, is that he was simply trained to be a weapon with a purpose and that never included mastering force lightning.
5: You know what? That's a very valid point. And the article did state now that you said that and and the CTE has diminished um, the uh, that he is obviously a knight brother. And on Dathomir, the knight brothers were almost like the Spartans, where everything was about fighting and being the toughest and strongest and fighting style and mastering this and mastering that. And you have bring honor to yourself if you're the best fighter in the crew, whatever the case may be. Um, So I guess him training in the ways of the Sith would incorporate not only dark side abilities, but incorporating that in a way where it encompasses his fighting skills and his flavor of ice cream with the lightsaber and the dual blades, as opposed to him doing more mythical, like you said, the force lightning or whatever the case may be. So, again... Just, I just thought something that made me go, hmm, this is actually a good topic to talk about on the podcast because no one really brings it up. We know why Anakin every fucking use it. He and Lieutenant Dan, I ain't got no legs in there and I got no hands, so I can't shoot no lightning, you know? So that was that. But, you know, um, and again, uh, last time I checked, just because your 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 DNA is encompassed with palpity doesn't necessarily give you the right to shoot lightning. It doesn't make any sense. But I don't know if you're familiar, you guys, with. Uh, but can, can I say one thing? Say whatever you want. It's your show. Well, it's our show, but that's okay.
6: Um, as a teacher, I teach many physicians how to be doctors, and I teach them usually everything that they know. But I don't teach them everything that I know because you know the master's got to keep some secrets in the background. So nice. maybe maybe Shibi Palps didn't give him all the fucking uh, the juice. So because he knew if he did, he'd be coming after the king. So. I think that's part of it as well. And that's,
5: also, r- he probably didn't get a chance to use it, you know? It's, it's all right. It's all right. I mean, it's the rule of two. You know, the master to, to deem the power and the apprentice who wants it to take it. That's the rule of the land as far as Lucas is concerned. Um, quick question, guys. We're all, I would say we're all OT guys here and we're, we're all, I would make an educated guess and say that Empire Strikes Back is everyone's favorite movie, correct? That is okay. correct for me. Okay. The reason why I bring it up is: Have you guys ever wondered how long, how much time passed during the movie of *Empire Strikes Back*? Have you ever realized how, how much, how much time have you ever said, "Yeah, I wonder how long Luke was actually on Dago by training." He wasn't there for three hours, but how long was he on? You know what I'm saying? Have you guys has that notion ever come across your mind, or just nah, whatever? It's just a movie.
7: I think I think I never really thought about it uh thoroughly but i you know i honestly think in trying to place bucket heads in the timeline we probably came across an answer to this and a few things i think there was there was some articles i had read up on about some of the timelines and and just the time periods and what they call these things you know um battle before or what is it yeah uh yeah exactly um yeah, so I don't think I don't think I'd ever thought about it until we started doing some research for bucket heads and, and then I probably scoured across it at one point, but I'll tell you at this point, it is not in my brain.
5: Gotcha. Um the reason why I was segueing into that is because I read an article and Doc and I have spoke about this in the past where we wondered how long has, was Luke really on Dagobah? Does time move slower in Dagobah like interstellar? You know what I'm saying? Certain other planets in the universe. Was he there for years but in actuality, it's only fucking you know, a couple of days on, on uh, Bespin? We won't know. I mean, obviously that's a Lucas answer, but According to this article that I read, and I'm bringing up for the podcast, they say, how much time passes in The Empire Strikes Back? The movie can be determined to take place over the course of roughly a month. For the Star Wars, The Essential Atlas, the first scene of the film takes place at um, 3866 ABY, with the movie ending at 3877 ABY, covering one month. Though as Star Wars Legends material, the Essential Atlas is now now non-canon, like Revan. Um, (laughs) Other sources can can corroborate this time frame, such as Obi-Wan saying Luke's Jedi training only less than a few weeks in in the book from a certain point of view, The Empire Strikes Back, which is canon. Also per, per the Star Wars Millennium Falcon deluxe book and model set. The Millennium Falcon supply and life support is good for two months, a time frame in which Leia and Han's story in the movie fits. Altogether, the idea of Empire Strikes Back taking place over a month makes sense. What do you guys think?
8: Can you just quickly tell me again the exact years for the beginning and end of
5: Empire? It says 38 uh, colon 6 colon 6 ABY and then thirty eight colon seven colon seven a B y. That's the end of the movie. And the beginning is thirty eight thirty eight six six. and the ending is thirty eight seven seven
8: That is quite strange because uh, I am very certain that the Battle of Ender took place only took place at four a b y. that's it's, yeah that's episode six
5: Okay. I, I had uh,
8: to I had to look this up because when we research our timeline, we're like, well, when when did this take place?
5: <laughs> well, I mean, according to this article, maybe the way they referenced it, thirty-eight dot dot six dot dot six. I don't know what that even means because usually yeah. it's a one-digit number, like you guys said, four years. We know Empire is one year. No, is three years after uh, New Hope, and Return of the Jedi is one year after empire so that makes sense that return of the jedi is four years after the battle of yavin which was the end of new hope so i mean i'm just reciting what the article states and this was from uh screen Rant, which is uh let's see hold on a second i'm scrolling down the article right now oh here he goes the first scene in empire strikes back takes place 38.6.6 the sixth day of the sixth month of the third year after the Battle of Yavin. Oh. So, now, there's, so now they're saying uh, that at the end, it would be the seventh day of the seventh month of the third year after the Battle of Yavin.
6: My brothers, uncles, sisters, cousins, roommate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not so fast, Lone Star. Helm. At last, we meet for the first time for the last time.
5: Before you die, there is something you should know about us, Lone Star. What? I am your father's brother's nephew's cousin's former roommate. What's that make us? Absolutely nothing! Which is what you are about to become. That is that is deep dive sweaty lore right there ladies and gentlemen I mean uh, but I mean there were a couple of things that happened in Empire Strikes Back that are people always wondered like what the hell is Luke eating when he goes to fucking Dagobah and we found out it was just a breadstick nothing nothing fancy you know and then okay whatever and then uh, they pay homage to that in the latest episode of the Bad Batch but um, and I always wondered how, you know, how long it was I mean 'Cause you know, we only see Mandago Ba for a short amount of time. So how much training can ah can the greatest Star Wars uh, Jedi of all time truly have? So now they're saying it's close to a month. So I don't know. I mean, I thought it was okay. What do you guys think? Or am I just looking into this too much like a nerd?
7: Nah, man, nerds nerds are nerds rule the world, so of that's not good. Uh, no, I, I, I like it. I, I like it and I don't, honestly. I, I like it from a, from a lore perspective. It makes sense to me that the X-Wing would only have so much life support capabilities and that would only last so long, but, you know, the battery life, whatever. Um, so I like that kind of stuff. I love when, when any kind of media incorporates, you know, and, and thinks about their world that much, that they bring those things into it. But I do have to say it's a bit... I don't know, it makes me a bit sad, I guess, to think that the the, la- the training only lasts that long, because I feel like he comes away from Dagobah, such a more wizened individual, and, and it makes sense. He's spending you know, that whole time with Yoda, like half-baked Yoda. Yeah. But uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess I wish it, it was a little bit longer. I, I'd always thought, certainly in my own mind, that that was a little bit longer, like half a year or something at least, that you know took time to sink these lessons into him
8: well but it does make sense to some degree because he ultimately cuts his training short and you tells tell you're not ready do not do not go and save your friends because you won't be ready um and that ends up being his final obstacle right so um i think that timeline makes sense and i think it's cool that answers the question
6: <laughs> it does doc i think he went back after he uh, got his hand chopped off and uh did a little extra a little, a little a little side mission as they say that's right the uh well, the comics are fleshing all this stuff out anyway the uh the new marvel stuff that's after the uh empire, empire strikes back so and we see luke get a new lightsaber and do all these other kind of crazy shit so um i think the answer is probably going to lie in there as to the rest of his training because they're showing some of that now so be
5: patient padawan you guys are into the comics at all do you guys collect comics at all
7: I wish pick and choose my battles, Scott. If, if I had all the money, I would happily read and get into the mall. I also live in the tiniest little laneway house in Vancouver. So between myself and my wife, I have I don't I, there's not literally not one closet in my house. It's built without a closet. So uh, uh-huh. yeah, storage is is minimal here. Uh, wife is also a New Yorker. I was going to mention that as well. She's a she's a Queens gal. I'm
5: nice. a Queens boy.
7: I grew nice. up in Queens.
5: Where? What part of Queens is she from? Forest Hills. Oh, nice! Great area.
7: Yeah. yeah, yeah. So she's a she's a big comic book uh, fan. She knows way more about Marvel and DC than I do, and and uh, Spider Man's a boy.
5: So nice. Uh, I draw comics, so that's cool. Awesome, man. Yeah, man. Uh, the reason I bring it up is because we also deep dive into the comics here, just on a topside level type of summary perspective, where we enlighten the fans of what's going on, and the fact that you brought up what's going on with with Luke in the comics right now, Doc. Do you want to elaborate more? Um. Did you read the article or no? I skimmed it. I can't remember because I read it pretty quickly.
6: But uh, he's he's got the new lightsaber. And it's the yellow. Oh, hold, on, boy.
5: Oh, hold on. Do you guys know that Luke got a yellow lightsaber in between the blue and the green? I had no idea. Oh, but it's good to, oh, look to know. Look at that. This
7: is look good. At that. Oh, inform me.
6: He, he found the Temple Guard lightsaber somewhere, apparently. And um, during this... Uh, this melee he had; these these guys didn't think he was a Jedi because apparently finding lightsabers is uh, is commonplace in the Star Wars universe at that time for him. And uh, they kind of rained fire upon him, and he showed a little bit of a uh, more skills than he's had previously by being able to successfully deflect those blaster bolts and actually redirect them towards him. So it's a skill that he you know that he learned and took with him forward uh, into as we saw Return of the Jedi. So. Uh, I think that's episode thirteen. This is the whole War of the Bounty Hunters where Boba has the carbonite block with Han Solo locked in it. And he is currently fighting off other bounty hunters as well as Han's friends who are trying to save him from the bounty hunters. So it's uh I have not cracked one of those books open yet, Papa Don, but I am getting around to it, don't worry.
5: You took all the words out of my mouth. And for someone who uh, I put something through... in your mouth too. So that's yeah, you wish. I'm not that Greek. Um yeah, Star Wars uh, issue number thirteen. You you hit the nail on the head. They went to this place called the Moon of Nar Sh- uh, Shada, because they thought they, they 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 had a sighting of Boba. He paints his armor all black. He goes under Django's name. He fights in this one tournament as a as a gladiator as, type. As, of Nick, scenario. as Nick Gage. Yeah, right. As a, as a gladiator, just because he was doing a job for somebody else who had some information that he needed to help him uh restore Han because the the carbonation wasn't done correctly. So they're filling in a lot of these plot holes in these comic books. And and it's actually it's pretty cool because the figure in 77 came out with a yellow lightsaber, the Luke Skywalker figure. And no one knew why the fuck he had a yellow lightsaber because in the movie he had a blue lightsaber. So they took something and they made fucking chicken salad out of chicken shit. And now it's canon that he has a yellow fucking lightsaber. They did that shit twice by the
6: way, I'm let you know they did it
5: in his original figure from 77
6: the uh, the farm boy one had the yellow lightsaber but also the bespin fatigues one also had a yellow lightsaber which made no fucking sense ever Interesting Really Yeah
5: Interesting um, that is interesting
7: I'm glad they're I'm glad they're fleshing it all out in the in you know in the comic books and the rest of the media I know one from the new trilogy one question big question that I had is who the fuck are the knights of ren
3: Yeah
7: <laughs> Right like they made Cause we all like to know <laughs> Kylo, the like most epic knight of ran. And then he has this run in with them in the, you know, the third final film. And like, I, I don't know, I was watching at the time. I was like, these guys look cool. He dispatches them pretty quickly, but they look cool. They sound cool. Who are they? And then I, I hear that they've, they flushed them out in the comic books. That I, I gotta to some with.
5: extent, to some extent, they were just a bunch of force users who were just not trained. They were hanging out together, drinking beers or whatever they were doing watching football on Monday nights, who knows. Uh, but the leader took him in, and in order to join the crew, you had to kill somebody. Um, it's, so, like the, it's like the Bloods and the Crips. Yeah, it was like, like 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 that movie, Blood In, Blood Out, uh, La Onda. Um, so what happens? Uh, Kylo kills one of the Jedis from Luke's temple. Uh, the whole premise of him destroying the temple and burning it down, in the comic book series, they, they retcon it where it wasn't him. It was really the Knights of Ren and Palpatine who did it. So they humanized them a little bit. So this way, the turn in Episode Nine wasn't zero to hero. It was more, you know, uh, realistic. And then um, he was very conflicted. And then the, the leader of the Knights of Ren said, "Ah, you killed that 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 Jabroni Jedi. That's not a real kill. You got it." And he got pissed, and he killed the leader of the Knights of Ren. And that's how he became the leader of the Knights of Ren. Um, but all that meant nothing because the Knights of Ren did fuck fuck all. They did nothing. They were the best. That's
7: sad. That makes me sad. That that's it does. Like I would to see a, nothing.
5: I would like to just like the Sith troopers. They did nothing. You know yeah. what I'm saying? I, oh, I would like. I would like to see a, a, a Disney Plus Knights of Ren series. You know what I'm saying? That explore, explore them. I mean, people thought in the books that came out after, uh, or right before Episode Seven, it was Charles Wendig's aftermath. There was a group called the Disciples of. Uh, the the acolytes, I think it was called, And they were collecting acolytes da- of the beyond. Oh, I'm sorry, acolytes of the beyond. There we go. They were collecting uh, dark side relics, and allegedly they they're the ones who found Darth Sader, Darth Vader's lightsaber from the original trilogy. Darth, Darth Sader is the Jewish version of Darth Vader who yes. has a big meal with his family. There we go. So. Uh, They got Vader's lightsaber, and I guess they're the ones who found his helmet and gave it to Kylo Ren, and everyone thought that they were the Knights of Ren, but no connective tissue, just like the entire sequel trilogy. And, uh, I mean, that's basically it, but uh, I agree with you. They were cool looking, but they did nothing, and they got beat by Ben Solo in a Gap sweater, so, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it it was what it was. Oh, here's something you guys may not know, because, (laughs) what did you say?
8: At least it was not Old Navy
5: yeah <laughs> but um they retcon the retcon for snoke because now snoke uh, i mean originally snoke from episode seven was said to be someone who saw the rise and fall of the empire at least that's what it says in the visual dictionary and i think he mentioned that in the in the movie i don't recall if that, if he said that himself but then they say he's a stratocast which was a clone uh, then they make him a Stratacast that was manipulated by Palpatine, but he allegedly has free will, so he's not your typical clone. And now they're saying in the comic books because Vader made his way to Exegol in the comic books to challenge Palpatine, and he got his ass kicked by Palpatine. That's why they kind of make it why he won't turn uh, back to the light when he finds out Luke in in Revenge of the uh, i mean, sorry, in Return of the Jedi. Uh, he goes, "You, I can't turn on my master. You don't know the power of the dark side," because Palpatine shows him like this power. He has this like seven-foot kyber crystal that's humming and singing because they're making it bleed, and everyone's like faces melting off, and he's sitting there not being phased. And Vader got his ass kicked from the the kyber crystal and all this stuff. And then he decides that, "Okay, I'll join. I'll," because he was he was basically contesting Palpatine because he found out that. He lied to him about Luke, and then um, anyway, where I was going with all this was that um, when he got to Exegol and he saw the Sith Eternal and he saw the snow clones in the vats, Palpatine shows him that he was uh, cloning the snow clones from a severed hand. Right, and and everyone's saying that it's Luke's severed hand. So now they're saying that all these clones that are encompassing DNA from Palpatine have some Skywalker DNA within it as well, because that's Skywalker's hand. So Rey technically is a Skywalker, even though she's, you know, they didn't mention it in the film. So now they're retconning another retcon. So, and, and, and,
6: and that's how you keep the
5: threat of incest throughout the Star Wars trilogy, too. Yeah, so. <laughs> definitely.
6: I mean,
7: definitely.
5: So, I mean, look, I don't know. It, it I guess they
7: could. I could understand them taking that route, I suppose, because, like, even the the end of Rise of Skywalker is, like, to me, always felt like they were just retconning through the new trilogy going, Oh, blood matters, blood doesn't matter, blood matters, blood doesn't matter. And she was a, you know, a Palpatine, they find out, but she's an honorary Skywalker kind of thing, so... That what what you're talking about, I guess, kind of makes sense to me from there, from Disney's perspective, and maybe what they were trying to attack. But just through like several more retcons, they figured out, you know, finally what they were trying to say.
5: Sure, I'll buy it for a dollar, a Canadian dollar too. I mean, oh, I don't know, that's
8: cheap. That hurts. <laughs> like 50, fifty cents.
5: You know, I mean, look, when when this all came out, you know, I, I look, I like the Last Jedi. I thought it was a well done film. Does it talk well to episode seven? No. Is there certain beats in the movie that I don't like? Yeah. Um, after seeing great Star Wars being done, like Mandalorian, you go back, you watch, you're like, okay, I don't love it as much anymore. Now I like it. Um, the issue with me is not Luke being a curmudgeon on 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 Octo. It's the execution of him going from one side of the spectrum to the other with 40 years of history and nothing being explained except one scene from three different point of views. I forgot what filming technique that's called, but um, it wasn't done very well in my opinion. And that's where it gets lost in translation. And now I told doc what they should have done. And we were talking about this cause we did our own quote unquote booking. If we were supposed to book the sequel trilogies, what would we do when the hut got destroyed? Very simple. Luke lost his daughter and his wife, and his heart was broken. And he shunned himself because he not only lost his Jedi order and all these people that depended on him, but he lost his daughter. But lo and behold, his daughter ended up being Rey, who was mind wiped or whatever, and he was closed off from the Force, so he can never feel her. And then, boom, there you go. Now they're off the of story
8: already yeah. a better you, story you already would have made a better sequel trilogy than anyone
5: so. involved in the
7: actual sequel it, trilogy. what what you said is what you said is exactly the problem they just the movies don't talk to each other you know that was again i don't i don't hate disney i don't um hate that they tried to make a new star wars trilogy or tie it in with the ogs or anything like that but but it's that's the clearest biggest problem is that none of the films talk to each other they were like Let's make a new one. Yeah, let's make it reminiscent of some of the older elements. Okay, great. That's awesome. Now let's move on to the next one. Just forget everything that happened there and just try and loosely tie it in with what we did. And then it's like they repeated the process for the third film. And it's like, guys, it's it's too far along the story for you to just try and continuously retcon things and introduce stuff without
8: referencing what you had talked about earlier. Nothing talks to itself. It's almost like they didn't think through any of that at all.
6: Because they didn't. (laughs) Yeah. And
8: that's what what boggles my mind, that one of the largest, possibly the largest entertainment company in the world was sitting on the world's most valuable franchise and just did not care to come up with any plan whatsoever on how to make what could have been the most financially successful trilogy of all time. Like, they just did not care. And I, I will never... Till the day I die, I understand how that happened. It makes no sense in, on any scale.
5: Well, I agree with you. Um, unfortunately, I've seen this happen before. I used to work for uh, vitamin water, the drink. Um, they were bought up by Coca-Cola for, for, for very similar, I think $4 billion from Coke. Uh, <laughs> they were the talk of the town at the time. They were the flavor of the month, right? That's why Coke paid so much for them then then what happened is coke tried to implement their way of doing things into their into this brand they just bought and it just became another drink on the shelf and they cannibalized everything from within trying to implement their set ways onto something that was fresh and new and it lost its appeal and 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 I think stuff like that happens with big uh, companies like Coca Cola and fucking Disney and this that because they think they're too big to fail, but obviously that's not that's not the case because, I mean, granted whether you love it or hate the sequel trilogy, you can't you cannot say that it started off with a bang, making two billion, and then ending with a lackluster ending and only making a little bit over a billion dollars. I mean, to me, that's that's just ass backwards. Uh booking, you know what I'm saying? It just it's going from sixth gear to first gear trying to drive stick shift, it just doesn't make any goddamn sense. But again, in felonian and Favreau, we trust that is this the lining, uh, the silver lining at the end of the tunnel. We have Boba Fett coming out in December, everyone's clamoring for it. Um, there is talks that there's going to be more than one season of Boba Fett. I don't know if you guys are familiar. Uh, initially, everyone thought it was going to be a limited series, but production stickers came out recently and images were on the production stickers it says Boba Fett season one. So now everybody's running around saying there's going to be another season of Boba Fett, multiple seasons. Um, what do you guys think? You guys are in the business. So when you guys see production, sit, you know, it's production merch come out, and they say season one on it. Is it because it's only one season or because they have multiple seasons that they're talking about? down the pipeline?
8: Well, Disney is a company that exists to make money and I think they understand after the success of The Mandalorian that that is the future of Star Wars and that is where they can reinvigorate the series that very much um, lost a lot of its fandom and appeal after the Black Lester sequel trilogy. So I think for them, Book of Boba Fett is a very safe bet and I think they'd be silly not to, or they'd be silly to limit it to just one limited series i think they're going to squeeze as much as they can out of it and boba fett is a very well-regarded iconic character that was never fleshed out very much at all like he barely says anything he's he exudes this this aura of cool and badass but we don't actually know much about him as aside from what was fleshed out obviously with with the prequels um but I, I more think than, they're going more to... than Bosk, who got one
7: tongue flick and became a <laughs> yeah, beloved yeah. character of all time. But, uh,
8: but yeah, I, I think it's a safe bet that they're going to try and keep that series going for as long as possible.
6: Sometimes as all brain. it takes is one tongue flick to get popular, guys. Yeah,
7: sounds <laughs> <laughs> well, like sage wisdom.
5: Yes, yes, Doc. I know you, myself, were very big fans of Boba Fett. Did this tickle your fancy? Did this of make did this of course, it's fucking Boba Fett.
6: Like, uh, like what you said, the fact that he's people are going bananas for his appearance in the in the Mandalorian to not take that and run with it and produce a fucking thousand action figures based on this shit. Another TV show, another TV show, a spinoff show, some comic books, some underwear, some condoms like, come on, let's go. I need the old school George Lucas, you know, modeling for fucking merchandising.
5: Bring all that shit out there because I'm merchandising, ready to buy it. merchandising, merchandising. That's where the money's <laughs> at, baby. Uh, so you know, uh, besides the whole seasons, multiple seasons of Boba Fett, there are rumors afoot that Tim Oliphant, the man with the finest set of hair in Hollywood, <laughs> uh, is going to be in Book of Boba Fett. And the reason why people are speculating is because he recently did an interview, and on the interview, uh, he has the same look he did as Cobb Vanth—the hair, the beard—and people are starting to put one and one together. They're saying Cobb Vanth's on Tatooine. He's the the, the sheriff of uh, what is it? Most uh, what's his name? Pelgo? Most, Pe- most Pel- yeah, Mos Pelgo. Boba Fett just came back to Tatooine. Their paths are definitely gonna cross. They're not filming Mandalorian season three right now, so why is he in hair and 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 beard mode like he had when he was Cobb Vanth? So people are starting to put the breadcrumbs together. Do you guys think he's going to be in Book of Boba Fett? Do you guys even care?
7: Oh, I mean, I loved seeing him in uh, uh, Mando, and uh, I would not be surprised if they brought him over into another series. Like it makes a ton of sense, especially how you know, end of was Mando season two has the teaser for Book of Boba. Like they've already kind of begun the crossover aspects of it, so it makes a ton of sense in my opinion that they they would draw different characters in there and just continue kind of building the spider web of Disney canon.
5: What about you, Marco? What's your take on this? Would you like to see yeah. more more of the fantastic hair known as Oliphant?
8: I love me some fantastic hair, so yeah, and very much what, what Andy said. I think it was a really cool character and it would be really cool to see him in the book of Boba Fett as well.
5: Alright, well here's the million dollar question. Who has a better set of hair, George Lucas or Oliphant? <laughs>
8: That is a million dollar question. Um, Would I irk the fandom if I said Oliphant? <laughs> <laughs> I I have to agree with Andy. I, I think that was,
7: that was hair made to be on screen. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That was that was designed for it.
5: Very true. Very true. Yeah. Now we know Rangers got canceled. We know that all of these shows that are coming out, Ahsoka, uh, allegedly Mandalorian season three. I still have uh, no information, but I have a feeling that it's gonna get canceled. In my opinion, but that's just sorry.
8: Mando is going, going to get canceled.
5: That's what I feel. I feel that's what I feel. It's already was supposed to start pre production and has been delayed um, for whatever reasons, unbeknownst to any of us. I just don't like what I'm what I what I'm hearing. I don't believe what I'm hearing, but who knows? Um, so anyway, they're saying that Mando season three, Ahsoka allegedly, uh, I mean, Boca Boba, Boba, and it was supposed to be Rangers. All these shows were supposed to intertwine and lead to like a big crossover event on Disney Plus, almost like a uh, Endgame or a Crisis uh, like DC did. You know what I'm saying? Uh, But here's the deal. Now one of the pieces of the puzzles being New Republic, uh, Rangers New Republic is missing. So they need something to fit that new piece of the puzzle. And rumors are afoot. And I called this in the past. You can ask Doc. They're going to give Luke Skywalker a series. And now it's even more. It's going to take place about his stories between 6 and 7.
7: Is this... You know, what? I didn't I didn't delve into the article I saw. But is this what I was hearing about potential castings for Mara Jade?
5: That's what I hear. They're allegedly, we've heard two things. We've heard that the lady who plays Nebula who's also in the uh, Jumanji series with the rock is going to play Mary J originally. Now we're hearing Brie Larson might be playing marriage. That was
7: it. Yeah. Brie Larson was the one I saw.
5: Um, Then we originally, I said this, this is before even season two of Mando came out. I told doc that we're going to get a Luke series down the road done by the Russo brothers. That's who I thought we're going to handle the, the reins or a movie regarding Luke. Um, and then I called the Luke finale of season two before season two, even. And doc's doing that because I I say it all the time because he's like, you're crazy. Luke's not coming back. And then when he came back, not only was he fucking happy, but then he goes, fuck. And now I got to live with Papa Don for the rest of my life. And he's going to hold it over my head that he was right. And I and just, just for shits and giggles, I do it anyway. But, um, people are saying that this is going to happen. And allegedly they, they're going to use Mark Hamill with, De-aging technology, or they're gonna get Sebastian Stan to be. Luke I've Skywalker. seen
7: all the deep fakes. Well, oh cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna put my opinion out there. I don't know what your guys' opinion is yet, but I thought Sebastian Stan looked awesome as oh, yeah. as young Mark Hamill as Luke. Like I just I was like, wow, how how it's is it not? Been, yeah, he's looked at and reviewed before. Like, holy shit, gimme, gimme, gimme! But I, I my personal opinion, what you're saying, I, I think, I think that's too risky. Honestly, I think they I think in in trying to do new things and and look at new avenues for the new trilogy and how abysmal that went for the fandom and, and for Disney's again optics. I think Dave Filoni and and John Favreau took a real chance at bringing Luke into the Mando for that perfect send off that everybody wanted, that everyone needed to kind of revitalize, you know, how Disney treated Luke. And and I think at this point, I, I think John Favreau in particular is too smart of a man to mess with. Again, the optics that exist on Disney and Favreau and Filoni and how they treated Luke, I, I think they would they would open themselves up to so many potential issues because it's he's such a polarized character to the fandom, and everybody has their version of what they think Luke is like and and what he does outside of the films and the media. Um, that I, I would be so surprised if they. If they were ballsy
8: enough to expand on that uh, in in their own episodic, I gotta agree with that because if you if you look at what the least successful Star Wars film to date was, it was Solo, which was again you know their attempt at uh, at making a movie based on one of the most beloved characters and casting a new actor and looking at the origin story. So I think it's definitely possible, but I think it's a pretty Risky gamble for Disney to try that again, even if it's in a new um, format like like Disney Plus. Also, can we just quickly circle back to what you said, Papadana, about uh, Mandalorian season three maybe not happening? Um, <laughs> You've blown. kind mind. of glossed over that, and I was like, "What?" Um,
5: That's just listen. I have good feelings about certain things. And, I'm not in that camp, by the way. Yeah, okay, Doc's yeah, docs, I mean, docs I, with me. I know it's far fetched. I hear you
8: because they haven't announced a date either. But it would be insane to me. It would be utterly insane to me if Disney would cancel the flagship show that is single-handedly keeping Disney Plus afloat, because no one is subscribing to Disney Plus for Falcon and the Winter Soldier, not after three episodes. Like Mandalorian is their flagship show. They will not cancel it. It's not going to happen.
5: I'm with you, even though I'm with you logically.
8: They, they they concluded it really nicely after season two. And I honestly have no idea where they're going to take it with season three because they basically finished the Baby Yoda arc. But then you know what us. It.
7: That's, that's exactly what you're saying, though, is the thing that, that leaves Papa Don's assumption on the table. Is that we can very all, I think everybody can admit that they ended season two in such a good way. They wrapped it up that it could become, you know, the Bo Katan story or like. Its own thing outside of the Mandalorian, and they just keep that as a, a nicely packaged piece of media.
8: I'm basically just arguing this for my own sanity, and so I, <laughs> I can see. I know tonight. you well enough. I can right? see that you're a listen, little crushed. Listen, Ark
5: is already in fetal position. He's like oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> listen. I I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I, I'm. Wrong. I hope so too. But with with all the all the scenarios that are going down right now with the alleged. Civil War, quote-unquote, between the Filoni-Favreau camp and the storybook group with Pablo Hidalgo and Kathleen Kennedy and uh, the fact that the High Republic is not doing very well in sales and a lot of people are upset with the High Republic because it's more virtual signaling and identity politics as opposed to a good story. Because to me, they had the fundamentals to do a fucking kick-ass story. Um, And from what I understand, the books started off – very well. But then they started doing the, you know, talking about sex and and, in Star Wars and all this, that, and the other. And you're like, why? And then people just had enough uh, where they're getting ratioed on their videos and all their social media and all this stuff. And then everything that is good and dandy came from the Mandalorian and they fired Gina Carano and then Carl Weathers got quote unquote canceled for standing up for Gina Carano. Now, from what I understand, Pedro Pascal is getting a little canceled because he's standing up for Gal Gadot, what you said about Israel. So people are turning. And I don't know what political side of the fence you guys are on. But I I, Canada, Canada.
6: everything's fine up there, don't
5: (laughs) worry. Oh, yeah, right. (laughs) Trudeau Trudeau is doing a great job. Um, The
7: rabid rabid beavers we got to watch out for. There we go. That and
5: and, and the curling finals. It's just (laughs) great. I've had a couple um, of
6: rabid beavers, by the way. <laughs> not fun. I'm still paying one of them. <laughs>
5: <laughs> but uh, you know, just all these, all these little breadcrumbs that are just showing that there's issues now. Not more internal issues where things might just get delayed, and at the end, Favreau could just be like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm gonna go to Warner Brothers. I'm gonna go here. I'm getting offered all this. I've heard he's gotten offered money to do exactly what he's doing. With Disney right now for other production houses. So again, this could all be rumors, speculation, sexual Nintendos, doesn't fucking matter. But at the end of the day, money talks. So who knows?
8: Definitely. 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 I hope I'm got the biggest coffers.
5: Yeah, exactly. Who has the biggest offer? And can I do what I want to do artistically without being chastised? I mean, look, uh, I thought the documentary series for season one of Mandalorian when they were all around the round table was brilliant. But the fact that season two is only one episode long for the entire season, and they didn't even touch base about anything regarding Luke Skywalker didn't sit well with me. I went that, that was like a red flag that made me go, Hmm. And I, and my, hmm, my little, uh, joke on the show. And, and it may be, it might be true. I have no information about it, I think Kathleen Kennedy had a crush on Mark Hamill in the '70s. Mark Hamill paid her no mind. Then she got into power, and she gave him the fucking cold shoulder in the sequel trilogy, and made him, you know, and gave him the fucking shaft as an act of revenge. That's what I think. Because there's no way you take the face that runs the place, which is the heart and soul of Star Wars, and put him on the fucking back burner and do what you did, and and not expect the fucking fan base to be totally devastated and upset. You know what I'm saying? You just doesn't make any common sense. There's no logical reason to what was done, but that's just me speculating, you know, irresponsibly with that idea. But again, whatever.
8: I think the term is subvert expectations.
5: Yeah, it's <laughs> but the, but the, to subvert expectations for the sake of just subverting expectations is irresponsible. You got to yeah. do it this way. We saw the the season finale of 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 season two of uh, *Mandalorian*. And we had nothing but an entire female group come and kick ass. But guess what? They didn't kick ass because, hey, I'm a woman. Hear me raw. They were in there, and it was organic. It felt we were emotionally attached to every character, and it was done right because the storyline was there. And no one cared. But like yeah. you guys said, in the sequel trilogy, Mary Sue, she yeah. started off she ended up perfect there was no arc there was no growth there was no decline no fall from grace nothing so you know just like that like like that fucking scene from endgame where all the girls decided to do their fucking pose and they have all the you know girl superheroes with captain marvel and everyone was like ah this is just being a forced shot right now like what the fuck you know what i'm saying like so i
7: i agree with you wholeheartedly this is something that Marco and i have had to had to learn from honestly as filmmakers that um You know, we 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 have known since the dawn of our filmmaking career story is King. But I think there's a balance to walk. And 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 like it's a hard one, man. It's a hard one to even talk about that. I think I think there there's a good place in media for pushing progressive ideas if there is a, a good intention behind them. But everything that you say absolutely rings true that it, it has to be blended into story in a way that doesn't detract from it just to say, look at my statement now, back to the regular programming. And, and, you know, we've had our own battles over this kind of stuff and how to, how to work in ideas that we think fit well in, in a Star Wars that maybe haven't been touched on a lot, but does it really, does it need to be said? Does it really help our story in any way? Or is this just us trying to push an idea? You know, and I, I, I completely agree with you that, um, there, there's a lot of that virtue signaling that seems to be happening these days. And like, again, on the one hand, I'm like, man, I'm, I, somebody has to do it. And the, the first few individuals through the door always get bloodied. And, and I really do believe that kind of an idea for you can apply that thought process to anything. And and media is such a worldwide phenomenon and, and something we consume, every human consumes and and does in a certain sense, guide our ideas and our our thoughts and our dreams and things we aspire to and blah, blah, blah. But... Yeah, as a a filmmaker, you've got to massage that into story. You've got to make it fit into the the world you're telling and the, the overall thought you're trying to get across, not just a singular piece of like jamming that new idea in someone's face to then not really care about it or talk about it or touch on it or have it have any basis in the story other than
6: me just shoving it down your throat in one minute.
5: No, you're right. Doc, we, it looks like you're ready to say something.
6: You no, know, we, we've talked about that a lot. I mean, if, if you're going to do something in a story, it needs to make sense for that story. And if you're doing it just to do it, then
5: don't do it because you're
6: wasting sort of. my time. You're wasting everybody's time and you're not respecting whatever you're trying to get across from there. And I think yeah. a lot of that became evident in the sequel trilogy where we we saw just, you know, stuff just like that. All that SJW stuff, um, and that's why the end game scene didn't work, but you know, the period posse at the end of the Mandalorian worked. Um, it just made sense. We built these characters up, we saw the reason for them to be there, and the need for them to be there, and why they were there, and then everything flows and makes sense from there. So,
8: yeah, yeah, and Star Wars in particular is such a fantastic world and story that allows for some nuance social and political commentary. I mean I I find it always hilarious when people comment uh on the on our film for example, but also Star Wars in in general and they say, keep politics out of Star Wars. It's like you totally missed what Star (laughs) Wars is. Like it is literally a comment on so many of our political conundrums. Uh, and it, it, it is perfect um, to, to comment on that and make people think about these very, very real issues that are just portrayed in a fun sci-fi story. But like Andy said, and like all you said, it has to fit the story and the universe. You can't just like put anything in there and just say, oh, it's Star Wars, I'm just using it for my agenda whatever that that might be it it is a very specific story that can be used to to insert specific commentary
5: oh i agree with you guys you we're all on the same page here i mean there's so many aspects of star wars that can be brought into this conversation on both fronts uh the whole ewoks versus the stormtroopers i don't know if you guys are familiar what george did with this it was supposed to be a call or not to the vietnam war um but no one knows that by watching the movie, you know what I'm saying? I mean, unless you really want to deep dive and watch a documentary about Return of the Jedi or or George Lucas, you find out, uh, you know, even Jeff Campbell's The Hero's Journey that the whole fucking sequel trilogy was based on, people don't sit back, because eh, it's not thrown in our face. The Nazi reference, not the Nazi reference, but the Nazi similarities the Empire has and all that stuff. I mean, all that is there on the surface, but it's not shined and polished to the point where it's glaring us in the face. we like, enough already. Turn it down. You know, We don't need to deal with that. Um,
0: but that's the brilliance,
5: right? It... Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right? And I'm with you as far as the prequel goes. I love the prequels. I love episode two, minus the odd romance scenes. But yeah. we've touched base on this in the past. It's supposed to be odd. Because you got a 19-year-old virgin who's a late bloomer hitting puberty at 19 and falling in love with the only girl he met 10 years ago, he's supposed to be socially awkward. You know what I'm saying? And maybe the execution of of said scenes wasn't portrayed to the point like we, we now know how socially awkward people are because of technology and because of, you know, uh, Tinder and, and, and texting and this, that, and the other back then it wasn't, it wasn't there. Social media wasn't there. People weren't socially awkward, or if people was socially awkward, they weren't looked as being socially awkward. It was just weird, you know what I'm saying? So maybe that ramification didn't wasn't executed perfectly as as George wanted it to. I mean, he was ahead of his time, whatever the case may be. But George R. Bink sucked, so that just yep, kills it straight up. Uh, too much, too much, too much slapstick bullshit. Um, but uh, th- the whole premise of a guy manipulating an entire galaxy. For his own personal gain. Turning a democracy into a tyranny. Brilliant. Brilliantly executed. Storyline brilliant. Fucking genius on George's part. Um, the, that the would Jedi, never
8: happen in real life. Right? Yeah right. 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 <laughs> no, no. No.
1: No.
5: You know. Um, so. But on the flip side. Even with the forcing ideas. I mean. We've we seen it in episode 8. You know. But even in solo. I don't know if you guys are. Uh, fans of the movie I love the fucking film I think it's very uh, An unfortunate circumstances That it was a victim of episode 8 And a victim of all the backstage Shenanigans with Lord and Miller And them having to reshoot 80% of the film And basically Paying for two films You know what I'm saying And releasing it six months after episode 8 And no marketing and no toys And all this other stuff It was just poorly, poorly marketed as well uh, but people are starting to come around and love the film. Uh, hence the make solo to happen hashtag that our friends at the resistance broadcast are pushing for three years straight. But Lando, man, he's a ladies man for 40 fucking years. He's a ladies man. He's Mr. Colt 45 smooth operator. You don't, know, don't leave your girl around me because she'll be on our knees, you know, you know, ironing my cape. Um, and then you say, John Kazin's son say, you know, Kazan's son saying, oh, he's pansexual. He fucks everything in sight. Like, no, I understand when you're trying to incorporate people, inclusive people into it, but you don't take a character that has a certain uh, aura to him for 40 years and then change it on the, on the flip of a dime just to for the sake of changing it, because you want to include certain demographics that are really minute in society, but you want to include them. That's fine. Make new characters. And they did that with the High Republic. They came up with two 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 twins that are non-binary um very GI Joe like Tomax and Xamont, where their names are reversed. It's Territ and Serret and they're Jedis and they're non binaries they whatever the fuck uh, you know terminology you want to use, gender fluid. but it works and I'm cool with that because they're new characters and you have a foundation you can run with it as opposed to changing somebody that's everyone accustomed to just to to, to check off a box. you know what I'm saying? It just yeah, totally. It, it's it's,
7: it, it's frustrating, and it, like it 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 feels like it's erasing history, and that's that's my whole issue with it. Is yeah. it's not right? Like we, we we have the term history because we need to chronicle what what goes on and what we do, and and we use those as lessons to move forward and to be better and to learn from. And it, it, that that idea as well kind of pisses me off that that we're taking historical things and changing them. The big like two big properties that come to mind are are the Muppets and um, oh, Dr. Yeah. Seuss and Dr. Seuss like. Dr. Seuss has such a unique history from being a propaganda um, cartoonist during World War II, uh, I believe is when he started. It might, might even have been World War I, but I think it was World War II. And and then moving into children's books. And, you know, it's a, you, you can literally chronicle the changing of the times through Dr. Seuss' writings and Dr. Seuss' books. And now we're, we're banning it. We're, we're blacklisting some of these books. And like, it's literally, I don't know if you guys know the, the book uh, Ray Bradbury Fahrenheit 451 about the burning of knowledge. And like, man, all that just comes like super forefront to the brain of like, this is tainted knowledge. And, you know, rather than learn from it, we're just going to ban it. So it doesn't happen. It's like, that doesn't, that doesn't allow us to realize the mistakes or realize the things that are disingenuous from the past or whatever. and, And change. It just it just erases a lesson
8: i just gotta jump in there and say real quick that uh the seuss books were not banned they were re- retracted by the estate like the estate of this uh, dr seuss was like we don't want those published anymore for whatever their reasons were but it wasn't actually banned by any government or official agency
5: but do you, they read they read they, they, the reason why the estate took those books off the shelves is because they were in fear of being canceled yeah. by the Twitter mob because they would affect their bottom line. Yeah. So you know, it just, it, it, I think we're in a, we're in a, in a day and an age right now where if you say hello to the wrong person at the wrong time of day and they're offended, you are going to be crucified for no apparent reason. And unfortunately the woke mob eats their own. They cannibalize themselves Look! Look at what we just said a couple of minutes ago about Pedro Pascal. This guy's Captain Woke. You know what I'm saying? And because he decided to stand up for a friend, he didn't even stand up. He just said, "Hey, watching Wonder Woman '84." It was so we- simple what he said. Yeah. And they just turned on him. How dare you? You're yeah. an immigrant. How can you do this? What does that have to do with anything? Like they would. And some of these people are just bots on the internet. But again, I, I, I. I say this all the time, and Doc's probably heard me say it a million times. It's like having a child, taking them to the supermarket or to the toy store. They want to get something, whether it's a toy or a package of cookies, and you're telling them, no, put it back on the shelf. I'm not buying it for you. And they throw a, ta- a tantrum in the middle of the aisle, screaming and yelling and pounding on the floor. I want it. I want it now. And everyone's looking at you, and you feel embarrassed. Okay, okay, okay. I'll, I'll buy it. You know what I'm saying? And they get their way. That's what we're living in today. With this Twitter woke PC cancel culture mob um, that we have to deal with. And to me, Doc, that's not over for me. And speaking of over, there we go. Segway of the year. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, we do a segment on this show called Who is More Over? Now, I know what you're saying. You're saying, "Uh, I don't understand that, that statement. It's not grammatically correct. You're right. It's not. That statement encompasses wrestling lingo. So over in wrestling means being popular with the fans. When you're a good guy wrestler, you're known as a babyface. When you're over as a babyface, the fans will pay an enormous amount of scuttle to come see you kick the crap out of the villain. When you're over as a villain wrestler, you're known as a heel. And when you're over as a heel with the fans, people pay a lot of scuttle to come see you get your ass kicked. Now, what we do on this show, we don't encompass two people to fight in a ring. From Star Wars, we just compare two aspects of Star Wars. It could be a person, a place, thing. Doesn't necessarily matter. And we see what's over with you, the fans, all six of you guys. But most importantly, what's over with us? So, Doc, please enlighten the scruffy nerf herders. What's on the marquee tonight?
6: This week, uh, we got a lady battle. Uh, two ladies from the Star Wars spin-off movies are going head to head today They're for the title. Ahead? Oh I listen no I wish I'll take either one for the title of who's moreover in the side movie battle for the solo Star Wars story we have Akira
3: I regret to inform you that Dryden Voss is dead. Murdered by the thief he hired to steal the Coaxium
2: shipment, his friend, Tobias Beckett.
1: Is that so? Where is the shipment now?
3: Gone. Beckett took it, slaughtered the others. I alone survived.
1: One man couldn't have done this alone.
3: I wasn't there. But if I had been, perhaps I could have saved him.
1: (laughs) Bring the ship and come to me on Dothamir. And you and I will then decide what to do but the traitor Beckett and his accomplices. I'm on my way. Kira. You and I will be working much more closely from now on.
6: Facing off against Rogue One's Jin
0: Urso. State your name for the record
6: Jin Urso.
0: Forgery of Imperial documents, possession of stolen property, aggravated assault resisting arrest can you be trusted without your shackles
3: yes sir with Jin, gareth and i both felt that it was very important that we
2: found her humanity and her vulnerability and everyone should relate to her the rebellion have found her a little bit difficult but they need something very specific from her
4: when was the last time you were in contact with your father
2: it appears he is critical
1: to the development of this super weapon Jean is, at least to the eyes of Cassian, a troublemaker. But then he witnesses that she's a real hero and willing to risk everything.
3: If my father built it, we'll find him and bring him back.
1: Felicity brings a level of strength that always keeps you on your toes.
4: You wanted to win.
1: Oh my God, the Star Wars! This is insane. An experience that I will never ever forget.
5: May the force be with us. So, Doc, why don't we go to the polls? Go down memory lane like you used to hop on those polls during your medical days to make your money?
6: $20
5: is $20, brother.
6: Except what is Canadian. Uh, (laughs) Well played. Cheap shot. Uh, So, let's see. Uh, The polls on Facebook. It looks like Akira narrowly edges out Jenner, so 66 to 33 percent with a comment from Todd Santiago. Kira forms for me, but they both baddies. Again, Todd can't put a sentence together, but that's OK. We still love him. He's a little touched. All right. Uh, let's see. On the Instagram. We have got ooh, the opposite flip 67 67- to 33% for Jin Erso. So apparently this week it's going to be a tie.
5: Okay. Well. Ladies, Everybody loves their British chicks equally. Yes. I'd love me some Elizabeth Hurley. Um, but she's not on the pole, is she? She's not part of this fight. Um,
6: and neither is ladies, Foxy, Foxy Brown or whatever that chick was.
5: Foxy Brown? She was a rapper, dude.
6: You no, know, the one that uh, her husband got uh, some roadhead from. Oh. These guys okay. want to be born then. And so they have the, yeah, about I was like, I'm drawing a blank here. Yeah. Yeah. you I was Grant. about black.
5: The doc knows about shooting blanks. Trust me. <laughs> you,
6: you, Grant, Elizabeth Hurley's uh, husband, got some head from a, a black prostitute in America that came across the news. Her name was uh, something brown. I don't know what it was. Uh-huh. You guys are probably shitting in your diapers when that happens. So it's okay.
5: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, you guys can send us an email regarding this segment or any other segment of the New Force Order. It's called. Um, I'm sorry, it's not called. The email address is newforceorder at yahoo.com. That's newforceorder at yahoo.com. So let's just pick some quick emails this week. Our first email comes from Brandon Miller. Uh, hey, NFO. While I initially wasn't... Fellow huge-
6: Canadian, by the way.
5: yeah, <laughs> Nice.
7: <laughs> the Canucks are paying attention.
5: While I wasn't initially a huge fan of either lady in this week's debate. Both actually grew on me after repeat, repeat viewings of that's the Star Wars... That's called herpes. Brandon. Yes. Uh, Star Wars spin-offs, But none more so than Kira. In a galaxy that so often defines good and evil pretty clearly, whether it be Jedi or Sith, rebellion or Empire, etc., it was actually refreshing and very intriguing to witness a character who floated the line until they literally very end. You never truly know where Kira Alliance rested with over the course of the movie and Amelia Clark gave an underrated performance when all was said and done. I know you agree with me, GGP. you big solo Mark. Yes, I am. I'm a big solo Mark. Mark meaning is wrestling lingual for fanboy. Um, finally, guys, if I could take just a moment to be a little personal and a little cheesy for a sec. As this pandemic slowly nears its end, I want to thank our own Dr. Arroyo for all your work on the front line and for all the man hours spent looking after folks in this difficult time. Thanks, Doc. And for you, G.G.P., for putting in just as many hours trying to disprove the virus existence in the form of conspiracies. (laughs) All hail the mayor of Leg Slap City. How dare you, sir?
6: He's the mayor well, of real town. Not- I am
5: the mayor of real town. Not fucking citizen of leg slap city. Both of you stay safe. Have a great week. And I never said the virus wasn't real. But anyhow. All right. Not, well, our next email. Justin Moxley. Who's more over? This is a lot shorter. Thank God. Sexy ass Kira. Nuff said. P.S. Y'all have a good thing going with the podcast that you have. Keep up the good work, guys. You're giving a lot of people something to look forward to in times when there ain't much to look forward to these days. Well, thank you, my friend. I appreciate that, Justin. So uh, there you go, guys. New force order at yahoo.com. Uh Let's go around the horn. We'll go to our guests first. I don't care who goes first, but let us know. Who's more over for you guys, Kira or uh Jin Erso? <laughs> That's what Papa says at the bar, by the way. I don't care who <laughs> goes first, guys. Just get it done.
7: Got to read that too crit. many times in my life.
5: <laughs> Listen. Don't tell people the stories about me at the Blue Oyster, okay?
7: That's an easy one for me. Easy one, Kira. Uh, definitely Kira. And Jin so she just she just floats along in her story. And I, and some Marco and I and some of other friends have talked about it a number of times. The kind of why I don't like. I think Marco and I can both agree on this. We don't like the first half of of. Uh, Rogue One is that Jin just literally they're just like go do this go do that go go be this thing go over there and she just does it, and then and then it sort of evolves into her being her story and like yes she's put in situations of gravity but not really ever her choice she, she's just sort of like ushered along Kira is very much her own woman and, and does her own thing and I, I like your one uh, viewer's email there and, and his comments about like never really getting to understand her allegiances. And, and she's just such a deceptive player. I think she was way, way cooler. So I, I got to go with my girl, Kira.
8: I mean, I agree with everything that Andy just said, but I'll go with Jin just because I think Felicity Jones is hella hot.
5: <laughs> there we go. Spoken like a real man. I love it.
8: Nice. That's real talk. Yeah, that's real talk.
5: Before before we go any further, before Doc and I give us uh, give you guys our take, do you guys think the reason why you guys feel the movie, the first half and the second half is different, is because Gareth Edwards' uh, movie was a mess and they had to bring in Tony Gilroy to fix everything up in post and cleanups and pickups and all that stuff?
8: I actually don't believe that. Um, Jen- <laughs> sorry to jump in there. Uh, but
5: that's my last question.
8: Rogue One's trailer is one of the biggest mysteries of modern times, because there's so many awesome shots in there that are not in the film. And I would pay good money to see the original cut of that film, because honestly, uh, maybe not better, but definitely more interesting.
7: I mean that just leads me to believe, though, that, that what Papa Don said is correct, and that that it it stems from being a production issue of a of a messed up film that they had to bring in another player to fix, and like it never goes well in that sense. It it rarely that you know you you trying to continuously flesh out someone's vision and fill the little holes, and like story just doesn't end up right that way. You're you're gonna sacrifice somewhere along the lines, and I think they just chose to basically cut it into two movies and have a like a really clear tempo divide where it's one thing and then it's like nah now we're going to kick it up into second gear second gear is way better
5: okay were you guys were you guys fans of or have you seen the Zack Snyder Justice League cut
7: you know, the moment I find, what is it? Three and a half hours to, to dedicate to that. Four, four hours. Four, dude. Like I, I watched the OG and I, I thought it was a typical Zack Snyder film and that, uh, that didn't get a lot of story and got a lot of great visuals, but a lot of the connecting pieces were, were missing where I was just kind of again ushered along from like almost trailer to trailer, not nearly as bad as, as Batman v Superman, where, where I just felt like it was one extended trailer, but, um, uh no, I would I would love to see the the, the New Justice League and, and I'm glad that, that it came out that they did that. Or I say New Justice League, whatever, the Zack Snyder cut. I'm glad that they they released it.
5: Okay, well being a big comic book guy oh, Marco, go on first.
8: Sorry, it just reminded me of something that Doc said early on. Like the first thing I do when I watch any piece of content, I'm like, how much time is this going to take? <laughs> and if a movie is four hours long and it has to have a really good reason to be four hours long and I don't think that movie qualifies, and I, you know, I I may make some enemies by saying that, but I think Zack Snyder is not a good storyteller in any capacity. I but there are good
1: films, and you know this, like Three Hundred. Let me finish, okay? Ooh, I love
8: love it.
5: I love Doc. We're not the only ones who fight. I love it. I love
1: his take
8: on The Watchmen. Watchmen is a fantastic.
5: Totally, totally.
8: If you look at anything that he's done that's coming from his own mind in terms of the story, this it's never thought through. It's it's it doesn't have a lot of substance. It looks really cool. Um, but I honestly don't think that the DC cinematic universe was set up really well in the way that they brought in Zexny and gave him a lot of creative control. Um and I honestly don't think that Justice League ended up being a a very good film in either version.
5: Okay. Well, I have to disagree with you as far as the four-hour cut goes. The first one was just an abortion. Um, BVS itself, the theatrical cut sucked, but the extended director's cut with the 30 minutes added on made it less painful. I think when you have the two biggest superheroes of all time, this should have been a grand slam at the bottom of the ninth to win the game. And it was a double. That made no difference. In the outcome of the game. So. Um, but in my opinion. The Justice League Snyder Cut. Is phenomenal. Because. It's a totally different fucking film. Totally different from the theatrical release. It's not even. not Nothing remotely the same. Uh, so it was like me watching something fresh. Something new. And the only reason I think. Why he made it four hours. Because he realized. Fuck. Warner Brothers fucked up. Hot this. And not giving people a reason to care about the characters. I got to make them care about seven characters in as much time as possible, but not seven hours worth. So, I mean, I thought it was good, but, uh, you know, again, that's the only reason why this is coming up in discussion is because of the whole Tony Gilroy, Gareth Edwards, uh, scenario. Now, Tony Gilroy is a showrunner for Andor. So Andor hopefully will be good. So. Doc, what's your take? Kira or, or
6: gin. Okay, so um tell me your gin story first. I was, gonna, I was going there. Thank you for stealing my thunder. You're welcome. Um, I Doctor had one alone. thank on. you. I had one tickets for Sirius XM Radio. We're doing a town hall with Diego Luna and uh, Felicity Jones, where basically we got to sit down with them. It was about 40 of us um, in the fishbowl at Sirius and hear them being interviewed for a radio interview, and then get to ask them questions. Which was awesome. Um, small little audience for right before the movie came out, so we didn't even get to see the movie, and they couldn't really divulge too many spoilers with it. So it would have been better if they would have showed us the screening and then did the Q and A, but they did not. Um, and uh, at the end we got to take photos with Diego Luna and uh, Felicity Jones, and my wife was with me, and Papad was on deck to be the the person if my wife couldn't go. I'm his side she, bitch. Yes, he's my side <laughs> bitch. But uh, but the wife was, uh, was the primary bitch, so she went. And um, <laughs> as we're taking the photos, uh, you know, we're both wearing our Star Wars gear. I'm completely head to toe like a fucking idiot. And my wife stands next to Diego Luna, and he promptly throws, like, his arm around her. And Felicity Jones standing next to me, and I go to do this, and she gives me one of these. <laughs> oh, she gives boy me boy. the side slide. And on the photo, you can see her like this. <laughs> and they're like, next, yeah. and they move everybody along. So... I'm kind of like with the hover hand as she completely fucking disses me. So fuck that bitch. Fuck her movie. Fuck her side hand. I'm going Kira all the way on this one because I want to be the the, (laughs) I want to be the father of dragons.
5: Oh, nice. Uh, I'm going to go with Kira as well. Um, Jin was okay. Uh, I mean, I love Rogue One. I think it's the best Star Wars movie that they have came out with in uh, the Disney era. Um, not the best Star Wars content in Disney era, but it's definitely the best Star Wars movie. Uh, solo being a close second. Um, but Kira, I liked Kira. I think Amelia Clark did a great job. And I kind of like the fact that, uh, like Brandon said in the email, we didn't know where she stood. Was she going to go with Han? Was she going to screw over Han? Um, and then we find out that she has no choice, and she has to go, you know. Meet up with Mall and hopefully not get fucking sliced and diced by uh by uh this the, by uh Darth Mall. So, whatever. Um, I think she did great. She looked great. Um, so I'm gonna go with Kira. So that's that. Well, let and jump. Yeah, yeah. There we go. Three <laughs> to one. All right. Pop, pop, pop. You're forgetting. Oh, I forgot Spiro. Spiro, all the way from Mexico. Uh, I hope you're done, uh, you know, banging those Twilights and can give us a couple of minutes of your time. Please let us know who do you think is more over, Kira or Jane Urso? All
2: right, who's more over? Let's see. One side you got Jane Urso, the other side you got Kira. Um, Urso's a cool character. I liked her story, I liked her attitude, you know she didn't give a fuck about anything you know she did what she did best she rebelled <laughs> you know um but kira man K- kira's that girl that that every sucker falls in love with man you know she's the kind of girl that makes even the hardest of men fucking just just blindly fall in love with her man she's she's a type that she'll fucking Man, she'll rip your heart right, right from out of your fucking chest, man. Um, I liked her story better than fucking Urso's. I definitely want to see more. At the end of both films, you know, I definitely was more interested in seeing Kira's fucking, you know, where, where she went next and shit, man. You know, she was working with or for Maul. Knowing Maul, she was working for him. So... I gotta say, man, Kira is more over with me, guys.
5: Very well, Spiro. Uh, again, the man is a myth and a legend over there on fucking Exegol with the rest of the Sith uh, Eternal. Uh, but anyway, uh, you think? Do you think the women Sith Eternals are always eternally making sandwiches for him over there in Exegol, Eternally <laughs> huh? I totally uh, drive him crazy. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, so that's that is uh, who is more over. Uh, we do another segment on this show that uh, where we look at certain lists that make the uh, the internet. Uh, actually, we're kind of running long on the tooth, guys. You guys still want to stay on, or you guys?
7: I've had my wife pop in twice now. and Look at me because I was supposed to cook some dinner. So I think I think before I get the third laser eyes, I got to bow out of this one. But All I right, appreciate so... uh, very much having us on, gentlemen. This has been a blast.
5: Well, listen, uh, I'm going to throw this out to you guys. Um, please come back. You guys are welcome anytime. Open invitation. Uh, you guys want to talk about the upcoming episodes before you drop the second episode. You want to come on the show, come promote it. That's more than if you guys get tired talking to your wives, you guys want to talk shop with us about Star Wars. You're more than welcome to, man. You're friends of the show now. So come on whenever you guys want. Just do us a favor before you guys sign off. Tell the people all your social media links where they can find everything, how they can help support uh, your your endeavor. And everything of that nature. So go ahead.
7: Absolutely. Uh, so we got you know we got a great new landing page that helps actually uh, point everybody to the right direction or whatever social they want to check out. Uh, bucketheads uh, dash series. Bucketheads dash series dot com. A wicked new landing page our folks are working on, and and you get all the links to everywhere that you possibly want to go. And uh, if anybody is uh, a fan of Bucketheads or they want to check it out and and support the series, we can only do this with the support of the fans. Uh, We run a Patreon, TwinsunFilmFoundation.com uh sorry it's uh patreon.com slash twin film foundation i should learn how to say that one really well uh <laughs> so head on over there if you guys want to uh, support the film uh our budget like literally consists solely off the donations we get from the fandom and we do have awesome uh rewards and goodies uh there as well for all the the patrons uh some digital exclusives we do goodie bags uh, and you get extra content behind the scenes. Right now there's a preview up for Chapter 2. Some some uh, like a really cool portion of it that we've already filmed and edited together. So you guys get some sneak peeks like that as well. Um, well. That's pretty much it. That landing page holds everything you'd ever want to go to one more time. It's Bucketheads-Series.com. Go check that out and you can go see uh, pretty much anything we've ever posted.
5: What about your personal? Do you guys want to throw all your personal links out there? Anything... Marco, I'm, personally,
7: I'm personally super boring. So the best thing you can go witness that I've
8: ever made is bucketheads.
5: All right. <laughs> what about you, Marco? Anything you want to share?
8: Uh, I guess I can put my Instagram out there. Uh, it's uh, Instagram.com forward slash uh, Marco Basso or, you know, like a normal person at Marco Basso. There you go. That's how Instagram works. And you can tell I'm very active there. Very <laughs> active. Lots <laughs> of cool
5: stuff. <laughs> well, listen, guys, again, thank you for coming on. Um, we, uh, if we can help in any way, just let us know, reach out. Um, if you guys ever want to book a Luke Skywalker, we're friends with Luke Skywalker. I don't know if you're familiar with the cosplayer who looks just like Luke Skywalker. He was like kid of the town, a comic con and all this stuff. The other, he was on the show. He's been on a couple times. We helped him raise money for uh, a pinball awesome. game at, the uh, Ronald McDonald house in Ohio and all that stuff in Cincinnati. So if you guys need to use him in a film or if you guys have any, I'm I'm not, Without no spoilers being added, um, let us know. If we can help in any which way, form, shape, whatever, we're more than happy to help. You guys are doing the Lord's work. So thank you, man. Very cool. I
8: appreciate that very much. Thanks, man. Definitely, yeah. man.
5: And again, you guys come on whenever you guys want. You guys you, you guys are tired of listening to your wives? Come on. You guys want to come? Remote? Come on. You're more than welcome to, man. Yeah, man. All this
8: right? was a blast. Thank you so much for having us on. I, yeah, definitely, I had a fantastic time. It's not often that we get to talk shop so bluntly and in such detail. Totally, yeah.
5: Cool, brother. Uh, if you guys ever come to like New York Comic Con or anything like that, let us know. We'll be awesome. up. Maybe grab a yeah. couple of drinks and have a Dude, party. Dude, absolutely. Time?
7: As, soon, as soon as I can cross the border, me and the wife you got to go back to to visit the whole fam jam there, anyway. So I'll definitely uh, shoot you guys a message.
6: All right, man. Whatever you do, don't get Papa down your three-day pass because they will fucking lose it. Fuck off. <laughs> I was
5: that happened once. I am sorry. <laughs> one out of one time. To- one out of one time. That's funny. I'm oh, betting a thousand, God. brother. Give me some credit. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, listen, guys. Thank you for coming on, man. Have a good night, and I hope you uh, don't catch too much heat for the wife for talking shop about Star Wars or some guys from New York for too long. So, nah, I'll,
7: I'll just make her listen to it and realize how much fun we
6: had.
5: He's, right, getting, we he's getting no parsecs. No parsecs tonight. <laughs>
6: hey.
7: <laughs> oh my God. Let's hope All that's right. not the case, gentlemen. Let's hope that's not the case. I hope
5: not, <laughs> use the force. Use the Jedi mind trick. It works every time. <laughs>
7: <laughs> All right, gentlemen. Thanks so much, guys.
5: Definitely, guys. Be good. Take her easy. Cheers.
7: Cheers. Cheers.
5: All right, Doc. Uh, some more news. You guys, it's time to do the segment we call You Just Made the List. You Just Made the List. So, this is the segment where we do deep dive on some of these lists on the interwebs. And um, let's go ahead of it. Doc, you want to go first? I go first. Whatever. I'll, I don't get the I go first. I go first.
8: So who talks first? You talk first? I talk first. The old man gave it to you. It's just very hard to understand you with all the... Search him.
6: Star Wars Obi-Wan Kenobi's five best friendships and his five best rivalries. Okay, number 10. Uh, his beard trimmer. No, I'm just joking. Uh, rivalry. Count Dooku. <laughs> So so clearly throughout the prequel trilogy, Dooku and Obi-Wan Kenobi clashed heads a lot. So that makes him one of his rivals. Friendship, Luke Skywalker, despite the fact that they were only hanging out in the physical form for like 35 minutes and then the big kibosh on uh, on Ben Kenobi. Number eight, General Grievous.
5: Hello there. General Kenobi. (laughs) Clearly that had to be on there. I mean, come on. Oh, dude, did you see that they're trying to... I'm sorry to cut you off, but did you see that Omega says hello there in the latest episode, and yes. they try to tie it back where she might be force sensitive? Do you honestly think that that Filoni and Favreau would troll the fans intentionally like that, or do you honestly think they're hiding something in plain sight?
4: They may be
6: hiding something in plain sight. Um, they may be hiding the fact that Omega may be, uh, the, Omega. May be the first clone of Palpatine.
5: How interesting would that be? Ooh. I don't think she's a clone of Django at all. I don't know who she's a clone of, but I don't think she's a clone of Django.
6: How dope would it be if she's a clone of Palpatine? This is like, you know, the failed failed first experiment of them doing the Palpatine clones. And that's why she's force sensitive and so good at everything. All right, we're going to see what happens. Anyway, moving on the list. Number seven, friendship, Commander Cody. Uh, Yeah, how'd that go for you, Obi Wan Kenobi? Uh, number nine, I guess prior to all that, you know, Order 66 shit. Rivalry, Cad Bane. So the two of these really uh, tussled a bunch in uh, Clone Wars. And uh, hopefully, potentially, we'll get to see that more in the Kenobi series. Friendship, Yoda and the other Jedi. So Ahsoka, Mace Windu, Quinlan Voss, blah, blah, blah. Rivalry, Darth Vader. Clearly, that was the, uh, you know, the end all be all. Obi Wan Kenobi friendship, Qui Gon Jinn, of course, master, 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 rivalry, which I think is probably his best rivalry of all time, against Darth Maul, clearly, and then friendship number one, Anakin Skywalker. So one Anakin. guy, was, one guy was his friend and his enemy on the same uh, on the same level there.
5: That actually was a pretty good list. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, we've had some shit lists in the last couple of shows. Never yeah, one of shit lists. <laughs> that was actually a pretty good list. Um, all right, uh, n- my turn, my turn. Uh, here we go. Uh, the tent. No, nope. where was it? Where did it go? Oh shit! New, no, new, no, new, do no, do 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 do. Oh, Star Wars: The best things every hero did in the OG t- original trilogy. Let's see. Number ten in A New Hope, Leia saved the day on the Death Star by shooting the the grid and jumping into the trash compactor. Number nine, Obi Wan Kenobi's sacrifice made the rebels eventually uh, an eventual victory possible. Number eight, Han Solo's return at the Battle of Yavin saved the day. Damn right, I got you now. What? Uh, Luke Skywalker destroyed the first Death Star. That's number seven. I think that would be number one. Uh, because if he didn't destroy the first Death Star, there'd be no fucking five or six. Um, yep. In Empire Strikes Back, Leia was able to get Lando to come over to the Alliance's side. and and There's
6: time to say that!
5: Han Solo taking the Falcon into the asteroid field allowed him to live to fight another day. Number five. Number four, Luke Skywalker, trying to save his friends on Bespin, was foolhardy, but showed what kind of person he was. Uh, that, this, I was talking about what we were talking before. This instance has to be for a certain point of view. I don't know if you want to do it tonight or in a future episode, but good topic. that just came into my fucking mind what we were thinking. In Return of the Jedi, Leia killed Jabba the Hutt, number three. Number 2, Lando Calrissian led the assault on the second Death Star. Number 1, Luke Skywalker faced down the Emperor and Darth Vader. Pretty good list. Pretty
6: good list. Here's mine. Top 18 reasons why Papadons not getting the COVID vaccine. Oh no, that was a different article you sent me. Sorry. <laughs> Ten of the most uh, overpowered Force users in Star Wars canon ranked. And speaking of
5: over, okay.
6: <laughs> uh, number ten, Luke Skywalker, the main protagonist of the original trilogy and divisive aspect of the sequels. Luke is one of the most overpowered and powerful characters in the canon, though he's not as overpowered as his Legends counterpart. True story. His knowledge and understanding of the Force, his Force projection and create, and his interactions with the physical world as Force spirit. Reflect his great abilities. Only a few Force users, if any, have been able to comp- c- capable of such feats in canon so far. Number nine, Yoda, overpowered man. The dude live for nine hundred years, of course. Number eight, Anakin Skywalker. Uh, the whole sho- on his shoulders were the whole was the, was the whole trilogy. Um, number seven, the Bray and Ben Solo dyad. And they call it the Ray Skywalker. I refuse to acknowledge that. Okay, moving on. Number six, Supreme Leader Snoke. Uh So a lot of speculation about Snoke, rather disappointing, revi- uh, revealed to be an artificial creation of Palpatine. However, despite being this artificial creation, Snoke was a sentient being who could think independently. He was incredibly strong with the Force. He was not as powerful as the likes of Yoda or Luke, but was able to hold much power and wield the Force in such a powerful way that he could toss around the likes of Ray and Kylo. Meh. Number five, Darth Sidious. Number four, Bendu. Bendu, uh is someone from uh, who the fuck knows where? I don't know. Rebels. Rebels. Oh, that's right. That's, uh, I'm an idiot. Sorry. The, he's, one not, of the,
5: he's not the dark side or the light side. He's the one in the middle. He's the he's, Bendu.
6: He's the, the, the Bendu. Um, number three, the son and the daughter, as well from Clone Wars now, talking about from the Mortis arc that they are overpowered. Number two, the Force Priestesses. One of the most crucial steps in Yoda's life came when he began to learn about the power of life after death and journey that led him to the trials given to him by the force of priestesses. Rather than wielding the force with abilities like everyone else does, the force priestesses act as a representation of the connection between the living force and the cosmic force. Five beings residing on the wellspring of life, blah, 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 manifesting the embodiments of serenity, confusion, joy, sadness, and anger. All of Yoda's favorite things. And number one is the father. Uh, not the father, father, but the father of the force. Um, the patriarch of the family that resides on Mortis lived for eons blah 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 brought Anakin to Mortis Um, so that is the uh, the list of most powerful
5: force users Star Wars the best things every hero did in the sequels should be a short list oh (laughs) sorry number 10 Rey the newest Jedi she defeated Palpatine for all time Number nine, Poe Dameron. He led the Resistance to victory against Palpatine's fleet. Number eight, Finn. He helped the Resistance destroy Starkiller Base. Seven, General Leia Solo. She helped train Rey. Rey. Five, Luke, Luke Skywalker. He gave all to protect the light. What does that mean? Luke Skywalker learned the ways of the Jedi, blah, blah, blah. He was a sole Jedi Knight. He tried to train more, but when Ben Solo turned on him, he lost all faith in the Jedi way and went to seclusion. However, Ray's conviction inspired Luke to give in to another try and he trained her thoroughly. Thoroughly? Later when the resistance was cornered on the crate. Okay. Get it. He sacrificed himself. Got it. BB-8. Number 5. He safely delivered the map to Luke. Number 4. C-3PO risked everything to decipher the 6th text. Number 3. Maz She gave Ray Luke's lightsaber on Takodana. Han Solo. Number 2. He reminded Kylo they're still good in him. And number one, Admiral Holdo. She gave the Resistance one like, Okay, this list just hit the fuck. <laughs> Sorry, you just jumped the shot. Get out of here. Uh,
6: the best is Admiral Holdo was on number one in on that list. I said, who wrote this? Rachel fucking Leshman from fucking. Uh, Actually, she Mary wrote. Sue?
5: She wrote a good article on the uh, on uh, the 16 year anniversary of uh, Episode Three. Was but it a really good a-
6: article? Because she really throws herself under the bus, being like you know. Uh, a, a little fangirl, you know, weak-ass woman. Because I want to marry Din Djarin. And I really love Obi-Wan Kenobi and Anakin. Shut the fuck up. Eh, go
1: make a sandwich.
6: Okay, next one. Next one. Star Wars top 10 popul- unpopular opinions about the sequel trilogy according to Reddit. All right, so we're going to talk about the sequel trilogy here. I'm going to get into a few of these. Number 10, C-3PO is more of a Skywalker than Rey. <laughs> Facts. For all the hate that she gets, there's a ton of rapism. 3PO has a better claim to be a Skywalker than Rey, considering he was mm-hmm. built by Skywalker's mm-hmm. whole life. Okay. Number nine, Last Jedi has the best final act. Yes. Most divisive movie, but uh, no doubt the film, 45 minutes, especially the fans of the movie, is pretty unbelievable. The final 45. But with the number of haters of the movie combined with those who believe films like Empire, Return of the Revenge, and Rogue One have the best climax, The opinion is very unpopular. I I think I agree. That was one of the beautifully shot. Looked gorgeous. You know, Luke standing there with all the fucking gorilla adats out there. The sun kind of setting and him just brush his shoulders off, pimp. Number eight, Rise of Skywalker is the best movie. Okay, I I, got to get into this one. Uh, Let's see. Everyone has their own opinion on their favorite movie of each trilogy. Which nobody has the right to disrespect. Ooh, still, there are definitely opinions far less popular than this topic. Redditor Lord Journalism says that not only is Rise of Skywalker their favorite movie of the trilogy, but in all of Star Wars. Everyone entitled to an opinion and fans should be happy that others find enjoyment from Star Wars. But by the Star Wars, more Star Wars. The Last so Jedi is Lord not. Lord
5: Journalism, is that Holly Garland?
6: Yeah, no. <laughs> the Last Jedi is not visually well done. Uh, for all the hate it gets, everything it's writing, it's humor, it's char- characters, just about everyone can civilly agree Last Jedi is a well-made, beautiful-looking movie. I agree. Um, but someone said that a uh, statement movie is washed out and ugly, with Crate and Canto bite looking awful. They also call, to call the movie possibly the worst of all time, which is obviously a ludicrous, hyperbolic statement. Um, the Force Awakens save Star Wars. Did it really need... S- Saving, I don't know. It was pretty over before fucking uh, the Force Awakens Speaking came out. Speaking over. Exactly. Uh, Poe was the worst part of The Last Jedi, and the Rise of Skywalker saved him. Uh, I agree with that statement, actually, because you know he got really campy in Rise of Skywalker, and then got a little bit better, and a little more of a, a leader in The uh, in, uh, Last Jedi.
5: Battle uh, of X- Ex- you
6: Yes, you're, you're correct. Last Jedi. I'm flipping it. Number four, Battle of Exegol is greater than the Battle of Scarif. <laughs> Hell no. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm feeling that one either. Uh, Kanto, Blight, and DJ were great. Okay, I'm going to move on on that one. Bye. Poe is the only interesting character. Is on, is the only... In, really? Okay. Uh, some Redditor, Musala, claims that oh, the only character who is even a little interesting... Not just out of the central group, but the entire trilogy is Poe Dameron. Uh, I don't think so. And number one, The Last Jedi is both overrated and overhated. It is definitely overhated, I believe. Um, is it overrated?
5: Mm. At first, yes. But then, in my opinion, with everything else that came out, Mandalorian, and everything yeah. else they followed, I would say people came to the realization that they were more in love with the film than they actually were like myself yeah i think so you know (laughs) it's hard to compare great star wars when you when you think it's great star wars but then great star wars actually comes out and you're like oh that was it wasn't that great with you uh last list of the night uh star wars where to start with legends um i don't know if i should uh It's a quick one. Let's go into it. It's good. All right. Let's
6: I've I've read most of these. Uh,
5: Dark Empire, the comics originally resurrected Palpatine. I talk about
6: Dark Empire all the time. The Thrawn
5: Trilogy, which introduced the Grand Admiral Thrawn and Mara Jade, and people are saying is the unofficial sequel to the original trilogy. Agreed. Crimson Empire, which followed the last surviving royal royal guard. Did you read that? Absolutely.
6: Dark Horse Comics. Um, Was it good? Awesome. Ah, uh, Kane yeah. and Jax. It's uh, it goes through their royal garden. And how they had some beef between each other, and a whole kind of like you know brotherhood story, which was awesome.
5: Knights of the Old Republic start a fa- uh, a framed Padawan before Ahsoka. Okay, no, never heard that one. Uh, Star Wars: A Legacy featured. I'm sorry, Star Wars Legacy featured a Skywalker struggling with his lineage.
6: This was Cade Skywalker, who I yeah. believe, oh, excuse me, the great grandson of Luke Skywalker. Great series, uh, worth actually a lot, ton of money right now. The Dark Horse books, and really. That one, that, that one is leading the is one of the ones leading the charge, along with Ahsoka's first um, first appearance. Darth Talon also kind of weaves into that story somehow.
5: Interesting, very very interesting. Well, that's it, folks. That's uh, that is you just made the list. Um, If you guys agree with the list, or so you have your own list, you want us to jump on. Send it to new force order at Yahoo.com. Doc. Um, you just came back from Disney, pack, uh, Disney uh, Park, Disney, park, correct? From That Star Wars land. From Star Wars land, right? My mom says yes. Did you know CEO Bob Chapek spoke about the theme park technology today at J.P. Morgan Global Technology Media and yep. Communications Conference? Unfortunately, Chapek,
6: I'll, I'll sum it down if you'd like, because I know you hate reading. Basically said that, you know, these digital cues that he's doing for like the rise of the, of the resistance and all the interactive apps and all this other shit that's happening is here to stay. And they will be doing a hell of a lot more of them in the future.
5: So you used it. How was
6: it? So I thought the app was good. Um, it really gave you a good sense as to the wait times of what's happening around Disney. But getting onto the, on, onto the list to get on boarding, a boarding pass for Rise of the Resistance was awful. Terrible. Bad experience. I uh, would not recommend and quite frustrating, actually. So, Okay. Not so happy
5: about that. All right. So, I mean, hopefully it works out for the better, not for the worse. Um, who knows? Maybe they'll make soup salad out of chicken shit with this. Possibly. Star Wars fans rally on social media to make hashtag Solo 2 happen. Uh, fans are taking matters into their own hands ahead of the film's third anniversary by getting the hashtag Make Solo 2 Happen. Hashtag the trend on Twitter. The campaign sees fans sharing their love for the film and expressing why they'd like to see a sequel movie or TV series happen, while others are merely trying to increase the visibility of the campaign through repeated uses of the hashtag in hopes that they can make enough of an impact that they get Lucasfilm and Disney's attention and prove this interest in the solo sequel. While Lucasfilm did confirm that Star Wars Lando was being developed, it's unknown whether or not that's going to embrace any ideas introduced by the solo movie. Now, Bob Chapek recently did a, a, a presentation, I don't know, to investors or whatever the case may be. And he, by accident, said there is a solo series introduction And then corrected himself saying Boba Fett. I meant Boba Fett. Now, was that a slip of the tongue? Was it just because Boba and Han have a history together? What do you think, Doc?
6: That's a good question. Um, You know, maybe he did that on purpose. Who knows? Dropping a little hint out there. But it would make sense that with the success of Disney+, Plus, they could really flesh out the solo story via a a Disney Plus series as opposed to um, another movie, which uh, may or may not still sit a little unfavorably in the fans' eyes. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that it rode the heels of the Last Jedi. Um, probably should have been pushed out a little bit further out. Oh, excuse me, but I think that's, that's what she the, said. Yes, the reason why
5: Star Wars fans take uh, over Lucasfilms Films and "quote unquote" fix the franchise using a viral tweet. Um, Ali Cortez at Talk with Ali threw this tweet up on the Twitter, and it went viral. And the tweet goes, you wake up as the head of Lucasfilm. What's the first thing you do? And people had a field day with this. Doc, let me ask you a question. You personally wake up as the head of Lucasfilm. Yeah. What's the first thing you do?
6: Fire Kathleen Kennedy. No. I um, roll around on my Star Wars sheets and uh, probably rub one out. But that's that's just me. <laughs> you no, know, really? What I'm doing is... Immediately jumping in my uh, private jet and flying to Skywalker Ranch to t- take a look at all the cool shit they have there.
5: So instead of business, you're just going to mark out?
6: Hell yeah. Well, that's the first thing. I'm gonna... You didn't say the second thing I was going to do. It's <laughs> the first thing I was going to do. All
5: right. Well, <laughs> if I woke up and I was the head of Disney film, Lucasfilm, what I would do first, I would hold a meeting, fire the story group, and... Fuck you fuck you, fuck, fuck you! fuck you! You're cool. You're cool fuck you! A... Stop! <laughs> <laughs> that Please quit his job. Still
7: waiting on that heifer, Julio. <laughs> fuck you!
0: Fuck you! Fuck you! You're cool. And fuck you!
5: I'm out. I would give all creative control to Favro and Filoni. And I would make everything visual. Every story that came out of Marvel Comics, every story that the son of Dathomir from Dark Horse, that's canon, everything would have visual representation via shorts, whether it's computer animation, 2D drawing, or mini series on Disney Plus. I would do stuff to, for Vader. I would do stuff with the legacy characters that are over and speaks me over. over. And I would try to incorporate as much between six and seven that forms by proxy connective tissue to make the sequel trilogy better. Hell, I would even special edition the sequel trilogy and add and take away certain scenes. And recanonize the sequel trilogy with the new special edition. I might even do that with this with the with the prequel trilogy uh, and change a couple things around to make it better. Uh, and and when doing so, it might cost a pretty penny, but I think it would definitely make everything great. And you know it would be really close, be cool if you could take the Clone Wars animated show and yep. turn it it turn every episode live action. Oh, that would be a lot of episodes. And that would be a lot of Scott old, Yep. So that would probably be something I wouldn't do, because it would be a waste of money, but it would be something like a dream project come true. You know what I'm saying?
6: You have to recast most of the, uh, the, the, the sequel trilogy, I mean the prequel trilogy uh, characters.
5: Why? Uh,
6: because they look a little older than they did in the show now.
5: It's okay, man. Fucking, you got the fucking gimmicks going. Uh, ILM, we're good to okay. go. That gimmick. He loves that gimmick. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, prequel trilogies, you remember Commander Cody? Of course I do. Did you know he was gonna blow a comeback? And no comeback is not one of the clone troopers. He was gonna <laughs> he was gonna blow a comeback on Rebels. Did you hear this story? I did not hear the story. Okay, it's an old story, but it has resurfaced because of the Bad Batch. Filoni at one point did intend to bring Cody back into the fray in an episode of Rebels. As writer Henry Gilroy. Revealed at Dragon Con in 2018. The storyline centered around Grand Admiral Thrawn. Figuring out that the crew of the Ghost. Which was Hera and Kanan and Ezra and Sabine. And uh, Chopper and... Uh, Zeb. Zeb, thank you. That they were working with the clones. Thrawn would have brought in Cody. To help research and track those clones down. While it may have been interesting. If devastating. The concept... the concept to see Cody return to the franchise in a completely different light. The storyline was eventually scrapped as they felt it was too outside the current Rebels' narrative focus. Um, This set up good framework for Crosshair on Bad Batch, now falling victim to his inhibitor chip and his turn from hero to villain, very similar to what Cody has done. But it also raises a new question. Could Cody possibly... Could Cody... Could Cody possibly show up in the future episode of The Bad Batch? What do you think, Doc?
6: Well, we talked about this before about you know the people who we think we should be seeing in the show, and I think Cody would be perfect. I mean, I would love to see a one-on-one, you know, initially with Cody and the and the batch, and then eventually culminating into Cody and Rex going at it. That would be perfect.
5: Would you rather see that on Cartoon or would you rather see Cody's comeback on Kenobi, the the series?
3: Yeah,
5: uh, give me both. Why? Because what's better than Star Wars? More fucking Star Wars. Why make me choose, buddy? Oh, I get it, brother. I get it. Um, so, uh, moving along, all the stories dropped. Uh, a good story that I want to get into, uh, but real quick, I'm just going to throw this out there. The U.S. Army Band performs a gorgeous orchestral cover of The Mandalorian theme on May the 4th. So our producer is going to throw that clip in right now mm
3: mm-hmm.
5: well done that mandalorian theme is obviously over and speaking of over with me uh i think it sits alongside the other scores that we've seen in star wars from john williams even though he did not do the mandalorian theme
6: oh 100 uh, percent. i mean it's it's become in the last you know three four years uh, the last two years iconic um it's the second you hear you know that that first little you know the dingle you you already know where you, where you're going with it and i thought i thought they did a great job incorporating the western aspect of the show into that with this and i thought they also did a great job of distance, distance distancing themselves from the john williams score to give the mando its own identity
2: Why
5: the Mandalorian is more key to Disney's new Star Wars canon than the sequels. Now, this is a great article. Because it's better. Oh, no shit. Uh, Because it's better. Uh, I'm going to read the article. Um, The future of Star Wars is built on the foundation of the Mandalorian, not the sequel trilogy. And here's why. Lucasfilm has changed course. It's becoming clear the Mandalorian is more important to the future of Star Wars than the sequel trilogy, and with good reason. At heart, Star Wars has always been the story of the Skywalker family. The original trilogy introduced viewers to Luke Skywalker and his friends, and the expanded universe built on this by telling Luke's stories after the events of Return of the Jedi. The prequels opened up an entirely new era with Anakin Skywalker and, hello there, Obi-Wan Kenobi, serving as heroes of the Clone Wars. You served the Clone Wars? When Disney acquired Lucasfilm in 2012, they intended to continue the tradition and release a sequel trilogy that would be just as important as Star Wars going forward. George Lucas, the maker himself, had sensed the potential of the sequels, even drafting his own version of the story in hopes of increasing films' value. Disney bought the scripts but decided to blaze their own trail. No doubt they hoped the characters and concept they introduced would repeat the narrative success of the prequels, launching countless spin-offs and tie-ins. That hasn't happened. Wah, 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 wah. Mm. Instead, it's now becoming clear Lucasfilm has has pivoted to the to place the Mandalorian, the first live-action Star Wars TV series, at the heart of everything they do going forward. Lucasfilm. Initially, presented The Mandalorian as something of a side story, the tale of a lone gunslinger operating on the outer rim of the galaxy, far from the tales of the Jedi and the Sith. Luke Skywalker famously described Tatooine as the planet farthest from the galaxy's bright center, and that was precisely the kind of environment Dindajarin was most comfortable with. But it swiftly became clear. The show was much more ambitious than that, with the Bounty Hunters' mission introducing him to Baby Yoda, now officially named Grogu. By the second season, Din Djarin was interacting with the likes of Boba Fett, Ahsoka Tano, and ultimately the man GGB called Luke Skywalker himself. The story of of this Mandalorian bounty hunter was being skillfully woven into overarching narrative of Star Wars. Speaking of over. This has placed the Mandalorian in a position of remarkable importance. With so many ideas now spinning out of it. Season 2 brought back Boba Fett. Gave viewers a kick-ass action scene featuring Boba they longed for. Since he was introduced in Empire Strikes Back. It then set him up for his own spin-off series, The Book of Boba Fett. Rosario Dawson made her debut as live-action Ahsoka, continuing her quest to hunt down Grand Admiral Thrawn, and she's getting her own spinoff too. Thrawn appears to be positioned as Palpatine's successor, leader of the Imperial Remnant, still operating in the Outer Rim, meaning that the Galactic Civil War has never truly over. And speaking Speaking of over... Meanwhile, Lucas's film Dave Filoni is even exploring the history of characters introduced in The Mandalorian, with Fennec Shannon appearing in The Bad Batch. It really does feel as though the future of Star Wars is being built on the foundation of The Mandalorian, not the sequel trilogy. There are principally two reasons Star Wars is increasingly focusing on The Mandalorian rather than the sequels. The first, sadly, is that the sequel trilogy can't be considered a success. They divided the fan base, and Lucasfilm's desperate and hurried attempt to fix things led to unsatisfying climax, introducing ideas that sit uncomfortably with the canon and the lore. The Sith cultists on Exegol are becoming more confusing every time a book or a comic att- uh, attempts to explain them. Meanwhile, the actors themselves consider their story to be over and want to move on. And speaking of over... And that's particularly the case with John Boyega, who's been vocal in the criticism on how the franchise handled his character, Finn, and has no interest in returning to Star Wars. The sequels has wrapped up, and there's nothing new to really draw people in any one. The Mandalorian has done what the sequel trilogy failed to do, has introduced new characters, locations, and in doing so, it serves as a launchpad for countless new potential stories. What's more, everything seen in The Mandalorian builds so organically on what has been seen before. There's nothing so jarring as this, as the sudden, still barely explained emergence of the First Order. Or the revelation Palpatine has returned from the dead through means that only can be cleared courtesy of tie-ins. The Mandalorian has led to a resurgence in interest in Lucasfilm's older TV shows, driving increased demand for both Star Wars, The Clone Wars, Star Wars Rebels, proving viewers continue to want and engage with Star Wars after watching the show's first two seasons. Star Wars has moved onto the small screen now and The Mandalorian has become Lucas's flagship. Until now the Disney era Star Wars has largely been defined by the OT while Lucasfilm understanding this, these were the stories that were most popular and uncontroversial. Un- they quietly fixed the prequel trilogy using tie-ins and no doubt they'll attempt to do the same with the sequel era. Which will largely be forgotten by the film. Which will largely, I'm sorry. Which will be largely forgotten by the films and TV shows, while with while books and comics try to rehabilitate those films. In the meantime, though, we should expect to see the Mandalorian becoming increasingly important on Disney Plus. In particular, Fennec Shand's appearance in Star Wars: The Bad Batch should be seen as a hint of the kind of interconnected universe that is coming, one centered not upon Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, but on Din Djarin. There are risks to this it's approach. It's Dinjarin. The D is silent. I know. There are risks to this approach, though. The Mandalorian has begun to expand the Star Wars galaxy away from the traditional Jedi Sith dynamic. But focusing too much on connectivity can easily result in the galaxy feeling as though it has shrunk again. This time around, Dinjarin. What uh, I'm sorry, has shrunk again. This time around with Dinjarin. What's more, there is danger Lucasfilm will begin to see each season of The Mandalorian as as a launchpad, first and foremost, so they're more concerned with setup than the kind of character work that has been made the series a hit. It's a big galaxy, not everything should be tied to everything else. Meanwhile, Lucasfilm is becoming willing to change Star Wars canon. And while that's understandable from a strategic and narrative viewpoint, such an approach carries its own risk, sooner or later, Continue, uh, continuity problems will slip through that is too uh, egregious, and the overarching narrative will be damaged. The odds of such a mistake become even higher in the context of a pivot away from the sequel and towards the Mandalorian. It will be fascinating to see how Star Wars reshapes itself around the Mandalorian going forward. What do you think, Doc?
6: It makes perfect sense. They have a hit on their hands, which they didn't expect to be so you know viralish, exploding ish. Um, their initial plan did not succeed. They are now pivoting and they are changing their you know their strategy, which is guess what? Good business practice. So uh, Disney is a good business. It's been around for a long time. It will be around for a long time longer than you and I. So for them to do that, they need to make smart decisions. And it seems like they currently are by making the Mando uh, where it needs to be. I was oddly enough, though, I was very uh, unimpressed with the amount of Mando merch and Mando representation that they had at Galaxy's Edge, which was basically not much. You know, you would think they would hire some little midget running around a Baby Yoda costume, but it wasn't. Or some guy in a Mando costume. It wasn't. They're still kind of sitting firmly on that, you know, sequel trilogy and trying to uh, milk those characters, but they need to kind of like wake up and smell the coffee. I think this may be it.
5: Gotcha. Star Wars theories connects Django and Boba Fett to Omega's force sensitivity tease. The article basically states that Django and, and Boba may be force sensitive, which I think is horseshit and a reach within itself. Yeah. But what do you think, Doc?
6: I think it's exactly what you said. Horseshit. I mean, the very loose ability for them to say this and they try to connect it to the to what's happening to the Bad Batch was pretty awful. And uh, in my opinion, a shitty article, not even worth mentioning.
5: Next. Star Wars hints at the origins of Darth Vader's elite stormtrooper squad. This was a cool article. Uh, thanks to Star Wars, the Bad Batch, it's possible that the origins of Darth Vader's elite SCAR squadron are being teased as the Empire rises. It's possible that the future elite squad of the stormtroopers dispatched by Vader during the Galactic Civil War may hold their origins during the events of the Bad Batch. Would Project War Mantle? Scar Squadron, you may ask, who are they? They are the first they are they were first featured in Marvel Comics, which means it's canon, unlike Revan, 2015 Star Wars flagship series from Jason Aaron and John Cassidy. During its first run set between New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, also known as Task Force 99, which Uh is quite telling. The stormtroopers of Scar were highly specialized soldiers, led by the lightsaber-wielding Sergeant Creel, who took the direct orders from Darth Vader himself. Other members of the squad include Arrow, who's engineering, Cav, who is close quarters combat, Mick, who is a slicer and a hacker, Misty, a lethal sniper, Sharp, explosives, and Zook, the heavy muscle guy. During the Galactic Civil War, they were instrumental in hunting down the rebels up for the Empire, including Luke Skywalker. Given the squad's 99 designation combined with the unique skills and names, It's not hard to assume that their unit was largely inspired by Clone Forces 99 Bad Batch. Furthermore, the events of the Bad Batch season one, episode three replacements may be hinting at scars. Very first iteration in the episode, a squad of elite troopers was recruited by vice Admiral Rampart to prove the value of the enlisted troopers over the value of the clones. If crosshair, If Crosshair's new squad of proto-stormtroopers are indeed serving as originators for SCAR Squad, it would certainly be a dynamic piece of connective tissue connecting the prequel and original Star Wars trilogies together in a pretty impressive way. So, Doc.
6: I thought it was pretty cool. Um, and, and then you, I had, and then I had some visions about this, and like you know, what what this could potentially mean, and what could it do? Could you imagine if, you know, Vader captures and either kills or and or repurposes the Bad Batch into these soldiers, as opposed to them, you know, being the uh, the crosshair gimmick that, that you know, it's the guys he's training right now. I thought that was a cool aspect that could be touched upon, like against their will, fixes them so they could you know stay with the Empire.
5: Your new empire. Um, yeah, I agree with you, Doc. Um, whether they're the inspiration for the Scar Squad or they become Scar Squadron, that's one way um, they can hide in plain sight. If they're just stormtroopers, you know what I'm saying? As you know, and why they're not around during the OT. You know, stick them in some shiny suits; you can't tell the difference. Um, you remember who John Boyega is? I do. He reflects on bringing up Star Wars' race issues by saying, I wanted to discuss the elephant in the room. Uh, John Boyega spoke up on race in Star Wars in 2019, now reflects on his words in a new interview with NPR's Fresh Air guest interviewer Sam Sanders. Boyega reflects on the comments he made and the attention they received. And I quote, Oh, shit. Where the fuck did it go? Sorry, guys. And and I I
6: quote, sorry, Disney. Could you please pay me?
5: Yes. Um, and I quote, What I would say to Disney is do not bring out a black character. Market them to be much more important in the franchise than they are. And have them push to the side. It's not good. I'll say it straight up, he told the magazine. Also, bemoaning the treatment of Kelly Marie's trans Rose Tico. Um, I think I want to discuss the elephant in the room that is easily dismissed sometimes, easily seen as a selfish act, a way to put the attention on you, says Boyega, who most recently starred as a 1980s British police officer bent on changing the system in Steve McQueen's Small Axe anthology series. Boyega also elaborated on his issues with Star Wars. Quote, the characters are only as good as the moments that you give them. When we talk about, you know, Captain America, aka Chris Evans, and him kind of force uh, facing off Thanos and his and his army, when you talk about these moments that are given to characters, it's only because these moments are written by somebody. These moments are put into are put in there on purpose to elevate characters, as you go along and all these issues pile on top. But you explained, I just thought it was quite important to say something so it's not an elephant in the room. And I think that the more conversations have even been bubbling over other actors now in different projects and franchises, things that need to be noticed as well. And it's a conversation worth having, to be honest. So, Doc, what do you think?
6: I think, as usual, Johnny is backtracking over here. You know, He's explaining himself and why he said certain specific things because he's seeing a lot of people uh, in the Star Wars universe get some franchises, get some TV shows, and he's like, yo, I want to get my piece of the pie, which I think makes sense because we should be fleshing out what Finn is and who Finn is. Um, so I'm glad you apologized, John. Let's uh, get you back into the fold and let's get some, uh, uh, maybe a Finn one-shot, a Finn four-episode series, something.
5: Okay. Uh, I could see that happening and hopefully it does. I don't know. Uh, I would like to see Finn more explored more with, uh, the force. Um, so this, seg- this segment will be presented to you guys from Spiro all the way from Mexico. He's going to talk about a couple of topics. I'm going to throw his way. So Spiro, I want to get your take on, uh, the Knights of the Old Republic KOTOR remake, maybe released March, 2022. Uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order launches next month on PlayStation 5 Xbox Series XIS. That is the rumor. What's your take on that? And uh, PlayStation Plus June 2021 includes Star Wars squadrons according to a leak. So since you're the video game connoisseur, Spiro, please enlighten us. Let us know what you think.
2: Holy shit, I'm excited, man. Holy shit, what a time to be a fucking gamer and a gamer who's a Star Wars fan and a gamer who's a Star Wars fan that's NFO for life, yo. So now there's a fucking date, okay? There's a potential date. Now now this makes it a little bit more official. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's 100% because, you know, shit happens. Even if this is the fucking date that they themselves see this game coming out by shit happens you know there's always delays i mean you know anyways but there's a date so this makes it a little bit more real and you know gotta say guys you know man this if if you're a star wars fan if you're a fucking gamer and if you're an old republic fan especially someone that wants to see Revan come into the fold you know this should be giving you a fucking woody all right anyways it's exciting news um but i'm really I'm really hungry for some more details. What are they gonna do here? What they need to do is they need to explore. I want them to go deeper into into Revan's backstory. You know, let's let's talk about the Mandalorian Wars. Let's talk about how he told the fucking Jedi Council that they're a bunch of fucking pussies and shit. Um, you know. Also, I wanna I wanna find out more about the fucking gameplay. Um, are they going to do away with that whole turn based system? I think they need to, man. This this needs to be a full on action. Um, you know, it, it can have RPG elements. I think that RPG elements are awesome. You know, uh, leveling up, obtaining new um, you know, abilities, and all that shit's great. Um, fuck, dude. This is fucking awesome, man. I can't wait for this shit to come out um hopefully it's a game that that'll be compatible with the cloud so you know on my lunch breaks i could pull out my phone and my controller and i could play it and shit anyways when this shit drops there will be a fucking review done by yours truly you know, maybe I'll I'll even upload some fucking gameplay footage and all that shit. Hey,
4: what's up, guys? The producer here of the NFL podcast here, MSG, Matthew Shaffer Gage. Just wanted to chime in here really quick because Knights of the Old Republic is actually probably top five favorite game of all time. The series itself, obviously, Kotar 2, and then we had the MMORPG that came out later online. But I was actually a fan of of more of the strategic turn-based style. So I just wanted to chime in here and actually kind of rebuff here with Spiro. I like the fact that you kind of had to strategically set up what moves you were going to do in real time as you were implementing each move, it would then play out and you could kind of formulate in a linear fashion which move you wanted to have your character implement next onto the enemy or vice versa. So kind of gave you that strategy of when you needed to throw in your health, when you needed to throw in a force power, when you needed to use a shot or your saber or whatever it was in the case of your uh, character's attributes. I appreciated the fact that you had that ability to kind
2: of strategize.
4: But hey, that's just my opinion. I'll let you get back now, Spiro, to breaking down the rest here of this Star Wars news.
2: So as far as Jedi Fallen Order, you know what, man? I've already played it on the on the previous generation console on the xbox one i enjoyed it i thought it was a way better game than everybody made it out to be i think a lot of a a lot of the bugs people didn't understand that you know yes there were bugs but at the same time some of the mechanics felt the way they did because cal kestas you know as you level them up you know the mechanics and the gameplay kind of got smoother and, you know, with the new abilities, you were able to to do more. And every time you would, you know, earn a new ability, you know, it added to the replay value because you were able to go back to a previous planet and uh, access a portion that you couldn't do it the, the other time around because you didn't have an ability that granted you the uh, opportunity to uh, explore. But, um, I mean, I'm not that excited. I'm curious to see, like, what new physics and mechanics will be incorporated for the next-gen console, for the current-gen console, actually, because it's already here. I'm pretty sure, you know, that we'll see lighting improvements, uh, weather improvements, other things, you know, um i'm sure it's gonna look great you know i mean i doubt that they're gonna do anything special for it i doubt that they're gonna add any new missions to it anything you know i mean it would be cool if they would add a fucking expansion to it or something or you know have some 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 downloadable content like uh extra missions extra story you know expand on the current story but, you know, as you guys know, man, I'm, you know, the one you know, I'm more excited about the the Knights of the Old Republic remake, and I'm more excited about what new games are coming out, you know? And like I said before, man, after seeing the first episode of Bad Batch, man, I think that the next Jedi Fallen Order game should focus on a young Caleb Doom. All right, so Star Wars Squadrons is coming to PS Plus. PS Plus I don't have a PlayStation, but it's pretty much the same thing as uh, you know, uh, game passes on the Xbox. It's like you know, you pay a monthly fee and you and you get access to this pretty decent uh, size and you know of games, and the uh, games are pretty good quality games too. You know, uh, on the Game Pass, you, you pretty much got every fucking Star Wars game that EA made. Since they added the EA Plus, I think it's called, or EA something. Anyways, they added all the EA games to fucking Game Pass on the Xbox. So, um, I'm not sure if fucking Squadrons is on there for the Xbox, but you definitely have Jedi Fallen Order, Battlefront, um, and all that shit, you know. Um, but on the PS5, I guess, or, you know, on the PS Plus side of things, um... It makes sense, man. You know, it, it's, it's a good game. It's fucking Star Wars. Star Wars makes money, man. I think, star, I think you know, I, I could see some some people subscribing to the PS Plus service just for that game. You know, man, listen, man, you know, you, you want to have a fucking subscription for fucking t- toilet paper. You know, you could put Star Wars, The Last Jedi. Th- there's a lot of people that are, are going to sign up for, for that service. You know, I mean, you know, it is what it is. Um, Star Wars makes dollars. And if it makes dollars, then it definitely makes sense, right? Very
5: interesting. Very interesting, Doc. Say it least, Of course.
6: Listen, I'm, I'm always happy to have Spiro's input about the thing that he knows, uh, one of the things he knows the
5: best. Clapping twilight cheeks? That too. And video games. Okay, well, Spiro... Let them know where they can find
2: you. Yeah, man. It's been great. But you can also find me every Friday on the the Rational Rage podcast, on the Rational Rage network. The show's gone through a bit of an evolution. It's no more anger-filled rant fest about politics because that shit just does no good to anybody's soul. It just divides us all. So now it's just a show where people come on, they hang out. We have a few drinks and we talk about anything. Uh, on Instagram, Spiro underscore A, Darth underscore Spiriton. That's it, guys.
5: Doc, hit them, let, let them know your whereabouts. You can find me at... <sighs> Sorry. <laughs> Doctor. Watch, watching Alvin Alvarez match or Joey Town match.
6: D-E-R underscore Destroyo. D-E-S-T-R-R-O-Y-O Instagram, Alex Royo MD. Twitter, Alex Royo on Facebook. After I served my three-day ban that I got this week. Three days?
5: Uh-huh. Did they tell you why? Nope. No, no reason. I didn't see you post anything naughty. That's weird. Stupid. Anyhow, you can find me at Greek God Papadon on Instagram and Twitter. Demetrius Papadon on Facebook. Greek God Papadon is the YouTube channel. Subscribe, like, not- hit the notification bell, comment. See all my matches and promos. Go to Pro Wrestling Tees slash Greek God Papadon and save 20% this Memorial Day on Greek God Papadon T-shirts. By using the code, hold on, let me Anal? It no, not anal. It's not a Greek sale. Use the code MEMORIAL and save 20% off everything so you can be the coolest kid in your remote school rocking your GGP t-shirt for 20% less, which means I'll be making more, less money on my back end. But it's okay because it's for you, the fans. Now, you could find the three of us together at NFO underscore podcast on Twitter, new force order on Instagram, official new force order on Facebook and new at yahoo.com is the email address. Ladies and gentlemen, three hours long. I didn't realize we went that long. Hopefully we entertain you. I want to say thank you to Marco and Andrew uh, for coming on. Um, great show. Uh, if you guys do get an opportunity, go to you YouTube, subscribe to the channel uh, watch the movie, Bucketheads. It's a fan film based on Star Wars. There's a, a fan film and a fan series. Uh, phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. It's called Agreed. Bucketheads. So go check them out. Go show them some love. Hit them up on Patreon. Uh, add to the cause because there's only one thing better than Star Wars. Doc, what is that? More fucking Star Wars. And thank you for giving us your time and your ears. This has been a long in the tooth, but very informative and definitely... Entertaining Episode of The New Force Order For
3: laughter
5: Come on guys Reven's cannon But that's just too sweet Henceforth Execute Order N F O
1: Is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. The Sith will rise. All Jedi must die. The Sith will rise. All Jedi must die. What's more powerful than a Jedi Knight fighter? Politician, that's real power. Getting people on your side is the work of a child. I sent armies to war at the click of a finger, but that was a disguise. Such of Palpatine. Lives two lies. Look closely, you will find that's Been a part of this. He taught me to be daft, serious. There can only be two Sith Lords at one time, so I killed him and found my apprentice, Maul. Maul the Maul. He had so much potential until his downfall. Obi Wan, I am so appalled. Maybe one day your apprentice will go a while, but until that day, there's moves to make. I have trained blockades to orchestrate and proxy wars to put in play. The Senate's scared. Too much democracy. So they make me emperor of the galaxy. Without a clue, it was all masterminded by me. My first command, in the driver's seat, Order 66, the Jedi's build The Sith will rise, all Jedi must die. The Sith will rise, all Jedi must die. What's more powerful than a Jedi Knight fighter? A politician has real power. The work of a I sent armies to war at the click of a finger, but that was a disguise. Chancellor Palpatine lives two lives. Look closely, you will find Darth Sidious, Cindy's yellow eye. The Senate gave me power, therefore there's no need for the Senate anymore. We built the Death Star, weaponized fear. We will rule with fear. Vader's more powerful than I could imagine. No Jin wanted to train him. I hope it tore a hole in your heart when he turned and you had to fight him. But could there be a Sith even stronger? He has a son, young Luke Skywalker. Bring the boy to me. You will fight for this apprentice. Seat. Betrayal comes typically. Luckily, I have a contingency. I was transferred into a clone vessel, and I lie. Wait on Exegar For a young Ben Solo to show Kill Rey and I'll make you powerful Together they're a diet in a force Their power I'll devour it all The Sith will rise All Jedi must die The Sith will rise All Jedi must die What's more powerful than a Jedi Knight fighter A politician of a child. A tsunami's the war and the click of a finger, but that was a disguise. That's why Palpatine lives two lives. Look closely, you will find Dostoeus in these yellow eyes.
3: like